Sump City Radio and Necromunda podcast may contain profanity and mature content, not suitable for Jews younger than 14 years of age. Listener discretion is advised. Force of Patrol Delta 224 approaching the corner of civilian access routes Charlie 84 and Tango 31. Station 01, Delta 224, message received. Out. What's with the interference? Got something to do with that radio station transmitting over subsidy alert system. Why the do that? Do I look like an information kiosk to you? Something to do with confusing the infected ability to zero in on targets, or just cover up the strings of hivers caught by the- Over there! Taking down target! Delta 224 to dispatch, infected collection wagon to our position for one pickup. Welcome at Delta 224, be advised. Collection wagon delayed due to excessive sumped spider webs across travel routes. ETA, 25 minutes. Well, they're really getting hit with interference now. It's like they keep cranking the strength of the signal up. Try scanning the band, see if it's picking up anything. God damn it, another bass. <sighs> oh, welcome listeners to the uh, sixth broadcast from Some City Radio. Yay! Steve, what are you doing? Oh, I'm uh, just uh, fishing off the sump, uh, trying to get some credit so I can pay off this bloody loan to our shack. What on earth are you talking about? I, I assume this is some kind of game and that you've not completely lost the plot. Well, yeah, it's it, it's critter crossing. I may live to regret asking this, but okay. Explain to me what what what's the crap with critter crossing? Uh, so you move to this island that's out in the sump sea and this character in the game called Tom Crook who's basically a giant rat and he pays you to move out there and set up a house and then basically press gangs you into indentured servitude to pay off your loan from him that you didn't even ask for. Sounds riveting. Does, does he break your legs if you don't pay him back? Well, weirdly, no he doesn't. Um, he doesn't even like impose any kind of time scale for you to pay him back. Well, that's definitely far from reality. What do you do in the game? Well, uh, you can buy things and sell things uh, at the island trading post. You can have new hivers move onto the island. Uh, there's a bunch; of, they're all like a bunch of different necromunda critters. So there's like this one guy I've got wandering around on my island who's a sump croc who acts like a goliath, uh, a bit of a jock type, likes to lift weights and stuff. Um, oh, you can build houses for your hivers. Uh, you can create clothes, go fishing in the sump, dig up architect to be displayed in the archive. Um, you can collect scrape and clean water from pipe outlets. Uh, all sorts of stuff like that, really. Uh-huh. I can't tell you so to me, mate. It sounds a little bit too much like real life. Do you pay taxes as well? 
Uh, I don't know. I've not really gotten that far into the game, to be honest with you. Not that far. So how long have you been playing? Um, so you got it a lot. Then, so about 250 hours in the last two weeks. Jeez, how are you even awake, man? Um, recaf, a lot of recaf, a um, couple of 40 minute power naps whilst playing, um, and I save time by not moving and not changing out my pajamas. I was going to ask, I wasn't sure whether it was a new work clothing policy by the Her Team Guild. No, 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 that's just me. <laughs> I can't believe you've gotten so sucked into it. It really doesn't seem like exciting. Um, well, I've kind of been using this lock time to play the game, and whilst we wait for the enforcers to mop at the last of the zombies, it provides me with a bit of a distraction for our troubled times. Um, so, yeah, it's like a sense of socialising on it, and an achievement that otherwise I'm lacking outside of my boring day-to-day -day chores. So, um, what have you been doing in your lockdown, Chris? Well, switching between counting on remaining sheets of evolution scroll, a bit of sculpting, wiping every surface down with anti-pack wipes after the zombies got in here last time, uh, gaining a healthy dose of cabin feeder and um, doing a lot of rocking in the corner whilst crying into a bottle of second best. Well, yeah, that, that, that's kind of why I'm playing this game, you see, no stress. Yeah, okay, fair point. Uh, but we do have a short to do. Let me hang on. Let me, there's another critter here. No, 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 Steve. Now we'll be here for another hour waiting for you to finish this. And, and last time I checked, this wasn't a computer gaming channel. And it never will be if Games Workshop and Rogue Factor don't pull the finger out with Underhive Wars. Sorry, what was that? Uh, I said, ooh, now that's an idea. Steve, sure. Now. Okay, hang on. Let me just let me just turn this off. All right. Okay. Uh, right. Okay. Well, in this, there's now. Let's see what's coming up on the rest of the show, then, shall we? First up, as always, we'll be heading over to Natomi Scalto for an update on Atmospherics and quite possibly an update from Scrofulous Pile 2. After that, you'll be back to join me and Chris for our segment Rapid Fire, where we tell you what we've been up to recently. Then we'll catch up with Blitz and Krieg, who should be providing us with another of their murderbrawl memories. Following on from that, we then tackle another jam-packed Hot in the Hive segment, where we look at all of the new things that have been released for Necromunda, officially, or the beautiful works in the fan groups uh, that you need to see. It'll then be over to our show Agony Uncle Klaus, who will dip into the infinite sea that is our listeners' issues to see if he can offer some advice. Next, it'll be the War Room, where we talk about slave ogring gangs with big tactical brain guest host Jess Lee Simpkin. Then we'll be joining Becky Boom as she showcases more of Necromunda's weaponry in her Bestest Battle Gear segment. Back in the studio, we'll have a guest joining us to talk about their awesome unofficial supplement that they've been making for Necromunda and to discuss the resurrection rules that have been released in the latest issue, that's 453 of White Dwarf. Next up, we'll hear from Salacious Paul with more gossip from the Sump City area. And then it's back to us in the studio for thank yous, acknowledgements and to see out the show. So, bit of a jam-packed one as per usual. Yeah, it's... Um... It's getting a bit of a regular occurrence, isn't it? I think we're going to uh, need more data slates if, if we carry on this way. <laughs> yeah, definitely at this rate. Um, well, in which case then, listeners, I suppose we better hand you over to Natomi whilst I try and catch some tarantulas. Seriously, Steve, I think you need to step away from Critter Crossing just, just for a bit and focus on the shore. Oh, I've got a sump spider here who wants to move in on my island. Steve, don't make me break social distancing. Come over there and forcibly remove the console from you. Off. Now. Oh, hang on a second. There's a, there's a server skull floating over with a present on it. I just need to catch this. Right, I warned you. Don't say I didn't oh, warn you. No, no. <laughs> ah! Give it again. No, no, it's mine. My present. Mine, mine. 
No more critter cross until we finish the episode. No, Chris, no, don't turn it off without saving, no! Thank you, fellas. I am still up here in the atmospheric station on the northern dome wall of Sump City. Thankfully, some organisation has occurred, so our engineers, Fascart and Alador, uh, and myself, are getting proper supplies. They're, they're being shipped up to us now via DEDEX servo skulls. Also, the residents of Sump City have chipped in to get us a servo scout that comes and takes our crapper bucket away once a day, rather than us having to throw it over the side of the railing. Uh, the situation with the plague zombies is slowly coming under control of the enforcers. Not that the local ivers have been helping the process. It seems there are some complete pillocks amongst us, ignoring Lord Helmar's orders to self-isolate and heading off to pleasure domes and entertainment centres, even with the zombies still loose. Bloody tarts. It's almost like they don't think the zombies are there. Or perhaps they think they're immune to zombies? Personally, I'd like to lock some of these plums in a room with a bunch of zombies, see how they get on. Anyhow, despite this, the zombie levels have been steadily decreasing, and very quickly. Lord Elmore ordered the enforcers to safeguard travelling factory workers uh, from their ad blocks to the factories. This was done in an effort to make sure that the production quotas are still being met. In other news, it seems that the reduction in Terran activity in the Underhive has resulted in the clearing of the smog and the general pollutants that we've come to accept as normal. The air quality is the highest it's been in 200 years, according to some city records, which specialists are amazed by, given the brief amount of time the lockdown's been in effect. And it seems that some of the Underhive's fauna and flora left to its own devices, has become more present in the built-up areas of Sump City. We've started to see an increase in spores throughout Sump City area as fungus growth is uncontrolled. Uh, and without the Sump Arbor Patrol Guard, we're now seeing Sump Crocs and other critters edging their way closer to inhabited areas. And perhaps the biggest mark on Sump City has been left by an influx of sump spiders, no doubt descending to feast on the increased rat population. But with the spiders comes the webs, and with the webs comes the reports of Ivers intent on ignoring the warnings of a viral outbreak, being caught in said webs and devoured by said spiders. Good news for scavengers, if you're brave enough to face the increased spores, critters, crocs, rats, spiders, and zombies, there will be items of the idiots that went out before you to collect and sell on, once the markets actually open up. But that's all from me. Uh, I'm going to hand you on to a report from Scrofulous Pile. Thank you, Nadomi. I'm here sometime at the gate to Sector Delta where a concerted effort to combat a greatly diminished horde of undead is taking place in order to reopen the district for trade and commerce as per Helmwar's command. 
the Manufactorium District, there's a key link in the chain for the processing of essential minerals, which forged Tyrant Grimlock, the disembowler of the slag heap slaughter, as runs with an iron fist. Grimlock is confident that as long as the enforcers can clear the route within six cycles, that they can comfortably attain the quarterly target to satisfy the tithe expectation of the Administerium. I'm joined by uh, Marshal Bissett of the Black Talon Subside Enforcers. Marshal, your men have been hard at work clearing the gate in order to allow the delivery of several hundred thousand shipments of raw material. How do you describe the situation? Yeah, it's been uh, back-breaking work, but my boys are well drilled in the control of civilian unrest, so we fall back on our military training. Oi! Watch your six race. There's a shambler wanting to give you a big sloppy kiss. <laughs> See? Well-oiled machine. Very impressive. Do you feel you're making enough progress to uh, meet the six-cycle deadline? Oh, definitely. If you look there at that huge mountain of smouldering bodies, that was only half the height a cycle ago, and I think the results speak for themselves. Impressive. Do you have any advice for our listeners? Well, I'd have to suggest leaving the work to uh, seasoned professionals such as us. I mean, we're from off-world, which affords us a level of detachment. But we are very aware that each one of these people is someone's father, sister, or granny. Oh, did you see her head pop? <laughs> yes, uh, very precise. Yeah, so, as you see, it's a uh, very sensitive word. Oh, I am on this one still alive. Get the fucking ear! Sorry about that. Sometimes it takes a ceramite reinforced boot to finish the job. Uh, sorry, looks like you've got some brains on your coat, man. Well, that's okay, Marshal. That's an occupational hazard and certainly not the worst thing I've had thrown at me. Thank you for your time. So, as you can tell, enormous efforts are underway to help alleviate restrictions and allow businesses to resume and therefore reinvigorate the economy of House Hillmore. Citizens must be breathing a sigh of relief as their loved ones are bulldozed into monolithic funeral pyres. I'll be back later with members of the Ordo Medici who challenge the uh, official advice from House Hilmar that injecting raw Promethean straight into the veins may be a cure for a virus, suggesting that although effective it will absolutely result in death. Also coming up a story of mystery from Hive Albion, whose leader Lord Bojack had reportedly fallen victim to the virus, died in excruciating agony but has now apparently made a full recovery and is currently convalescing off-world at his ancestral home. Until then, back to the studio. You're listening to Some City Radio. Okay, welcome back listeners. Uh, you join us outside the SCR shack as we prepare for our next segment, Rapid Fire. RAPID FIRE! Oh yeah! 
Rapid Fire is the segment where we tell you about what Necromunda related shenanigans that we've been up to since our last broadcast. So, Steve, are you going to get the pistol? Oh, we've got the Lasgun and Combat Shotgun to try out as well. Yeah, from last time, but uh, no, we're not using those. Steve, you're not soaping because I've taken Critter Crossing off you, are you? I've told you you can have a back after the show. <laughs> sulking. No, I'm not sulking. Come this way. The roof. What's going on? You'll see. Right. <clears throat> right, I'm up. What we doing? What's under the rather large tarp? This. What? Ha. Steve, why the fuck is there an artillery gun on our roof? Facebook Marketplace it was an absolute steal. Well, it probably was for the price I got it for anyway. Ha! When? How? Well, the seller offered the installation and they stuck it up here last week. Uh, I thought all that noise was the Hertzian Guild installed a new last or something. Well, now you know. It looks about 200 year old. Uh, close, 250 years old, they said in the ad. Uh, Ex-Imperial Guard, apparently. Uh, you um, you ever used one of these before? No. Mm, same here, so this should be fun. So, what are we shooting now? We'll take out the radio tower if we try shooting it into the backyard. Probably have the shack, too. Uh, I have thought of this. Here, take this rangefinder. Okay. Where am I looking? Right, over there, out in the harbour, about 2 o'clock. See that little barge? The rusty green one? Yep, that's the one. That used to belong to Divi Zeke. Ah, R.I.P. Oh, so, he won't be needing it then? Nope, he will not. So that will be a perfect target to use. And it's a good range as well. So, um, in which case then, folks, let's explain the rules in case you've not listened to one of the episodes before. In Rapid Fire, what we will do is each time one of us says a point of uh, interest that we've done with Necromunda, so we've been building something or uh, anything else related to the hobby, we will take a shot with our weapon, which in this case is a very large artillery gun that we've had mounted to the roof. Uh, for any hits onto the target, that will be one point, and for sinking it, we get 20 points. So, uh, Chris, do you want to go first on this one? Uh, yeah, can do, one. Okay, uh, we will set a five-minute time limit, so just give me a second whilst I bring this up on my data pad. Okay, Chris, uh, you're sat in the seat there. Oh, uh, don't forget the ear protectors. Oh, yeah, good point. Right, Chris, you ready? Yep! Okay, right, I'm beginning the timer now. We're going to start on cutting the plastic cart to move bulkhead terrain. Okay, uh, right, you're trying to operate. I have no idea what we're doing. Um, I'm assuming this wheel thing does something. Yeah, that seems to be turning it left. Ah, uh, right, this one's the other way. Okay. Uh, this lever, that adjusts the pitch, apparently. Okay. Right, here I go. Oh, Jesus, that's loud. It hurts, Steve. It really, really hurts. Oh, God, right, um, no, that's a, that's a miss. That's landed in the water way off to the left. I think my teeth have shattered. <laughs> oh, God. I made Boom Boom um, for my Escher gang. She's a power hammer wielding Escher, but I've, I've, I've done a model with two servo fists. Oh, yeah, I really like that one. That's cool. I've just got to adjust it a little bit. Hold on to your testicles. Oh. It doesn't hurt any less the second time, Steve. Oh. Okay, no, that, that's still slightly off to the left, Chris. I think you're going to need to over-adjust. Right. Okay, um, I bought Detolf, the strip of Hansard Orlocks, um, ready for House of Iron, and because I want to heavily customise them, and the Vansar, because I've had a really good idea for making them a bit more unique. 
Right, here we go. I think I've got it this time. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Clear. No, that one went off to the right. You've, you've gone too far. I can't see a thing. These goggles, man. <laughs> right, okay. Um, any more points, Chris? <coughs> I've got a couple more, yeah. So, just, just two seconds. I think that's going to be it, man. Right, okay, so I started planning a Spire a gang inspired by Ian Henderson of Tabletop Skirmisher, who's developing rules for them. Oh. <laughs> You've taken the cabin off the top! Woo! Get in! It's right, almost okay. worth the internal damage that I've undoubtedly suffered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally worth it. Right. <laughs> right, go with the next point. Uh, I won cattle scabs in an Instagram competition from Mill Table Studios Paint and Service. Oh, nice. Right, okay, last one. <laughs> <laughs> there goes part of the bow. I think it's the bow. Do they call that the bow? Which yeah. one's that? The front or the back? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's got a fucking great big hole in it. Okay, right. Uh, any more points, Chris? That, that'll, that'll do for now. I, I can't face another shot, man. Oh god, right, okay, okay, stop in the timer, stop in the timer. Right, okay, oh, oh. Jesus, right. Oh. <laughs> it, there might be blood in these ear defenders, eagle, man. Oh, it's, it's alright, I'll keep these ones on. <laughs> Not that they've done much. Jesus Christ, can you imagine what the Imperial Guard have to go through firing these things? Jesus, oh. imagine having Tyranids running at you with them. Firing oh god. Right, <coughs> okay, hang on, let me switch into this seat. Okay. Oh, well, let's hope luck's on my side for this one, because I really haven't done an awful lot, to be honest with you. Right, no, it'll be two uh, seconds, but I'll just shut my timer. Hey, right, I was watching you, so I've got a slight advantage here. I know what that wheel does now. <laughs> right, um, it, it does uh, slightly decalibrate when you take the shot, so you might have to just adjust a little readjust. bit. Readjust, right. Uh, just tell us when you're ready to go, bud, and I'll give you, oh, do you want me to shout, go? Uh, yeah, you, you, you give me a go. Right. Okay, okay um, first point, gonna be a cop-out, but it's just me working on the show for absolutely ages, doing more artwork, uh, working on more special features for the Patreons, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Right, okay, Justin. And... Okay, right, let's see what this does. Oh! It's going over the back now. That would have hit the cabin. Yeah, the I just, yeah honestly, it, it's really, really funny to judge, but I think it might just have to drop in a touch. Right, doing it now. Okay. Well, this is the last point. As I say, I've not really done an awful lot. I've just been trying to keep myself sane during this isolation and playing on Critter Crossing. So, <coughs> right, here we go. Right, uh, last point. Uh, someone, um, rather miraculously, as a very late birthday present, bought me a little mini air compressor with paint gun uh, slash airbrush on it. So I now have a whole new expensive world of airbrushing to look forward to with miniatures. So uh, I'm going to be asking in the group on that one for a bit of help, I imagine. Go for it, mate. Okay, this looks lined up. Is this or nothing? Oh! oh! Oh, uh, Chris, what? there's someone running around on the deck as it's going down. Shit, um, get, get on there, get, get back. There shouldn't be anyone in there. Get off the gun, get off the gun. Come on, get downstairs. Uh, all right, quick, come up, come up the gun, come up the gun. 
wasn't a good <laughs> idea, man. Right, let's go. Right. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I hope somebody else has got an anti-aircraft gun on the top of their shack, because otherwise we're going to be pretty easy to pick out as the culprits there. I thought we were one of the few people in the harbour area that didn't have <laughs> With 20 so, for sink in it, that's definitely yeah. got to be a sink up the deck. <laughs> Oh god, uh, I wonder if that was one of Divi Zeke's relatives or something, <laughs> but who knows, if it's not belonging to him anymore, someone could have had it. Right, anyway, that's that's uh, <laughs> rapid fire for this uh, this episode, so uh, in which case then we will be handing you over to Blitz and Krieg. Thank you, Steve. I am Blitz. Come back here and die, you piece of shit. And Krieg is currently in the next room playing on Murder Brawl. Raw and Hardcore, the computer game. Yes, that's right, listeners. Krieg and I are still in isolation. However, since the incident with the looters, the enforcers recommended that he stay here rather than travel back through the underhive. <laughs> His spine is broken! Blitz, come and look at this! <sighs> I'm currently taking refuge in the kitchen whilst making my 37th cup of recap today. Ooh, I'm through to the championship semifinals! Blitz, I'm up against Triple Porticus! Come see this! If I'm honest, listeners, it... It hasn't been the best of times. Now, don't get me wrong, Krieg is like a brother from another Amniovat mother. But stuck in the same small space for so long is, uh, it's taking its toll. You're going down, fucker! You cannot defeat the mighty Krieg! I've grown accustomed to the peace that living in solitude can bring. And quiet. We slam into the turnbuckle! So, suddenly going from that to... 720 degrees spinning wild driver! To... This! McClure attack! Where I'm finding all of my well-organized rations mysteriously depleted. Train this testicle destroyer! Hey, Blitz, I just did your XY special move! And I'm pretty certain that the hairs on my toothbrush aren't from Krieg's mouth. Funky punch! And this ain't no show home, sure. But the man can't think of a single piece of garbage and throw it outside for the corridor trash sifters. Uh, up, down, back, block, block, punch! Blitz! Blitz! Fatality. I just did the barbed wire egg whisk ass to mouth fatality! I heard, Krieg. Krieg, we, we need to record for some city radio. What? Already? What day is it? I have no concept of time anymore! What? That went by really fast. Not fast enough. I don't know, friend. I think this lockdown is messing with us all. Anyhow, did I hear you say that you were fighting Ripopartacus? They they put him in the game? Yup. This is the, uh... Let's look at the box. It's, a, it's the MMXVI edition. It doesn't have any of the latest fighters because it's like, uh, four seasons old. Well, some of us prefer to eat than buy the latest overpriced games, Krieg, but... That reminds me of the last match that I saw Ripper in. I'm sensing a segue! Yep, that's right, pal. I got a tape of his last interview and match around here somewhere, and I, I think that'll work perfectly for our next Murder Brawl memory. Uh, it's here some... Ah, yes! Here it is. Welcome back, my fans. To the dressing room at the Murder Brawl Arena. 
tonight we are lucky enough to be able to speak with both fighters just before the main event. With me now is seasoned and crowd favorite, the brutal, powerful, cybernetically augmented and borderline insane, Ripper Particus! Oh yeah, brother. You know it. I'm here to knit some mittens, and I'm here to fuck some shit up. And you know what, my dude? I'm all out of motherfucking wool. Indubitably. I have no doubt that we're in for an explosive spectacle with you in this championship match. Ripper, tell us. How do you feel about this being a no-holds-barred-anything-goes death match? I feel like I'm a well-oiled machine of destruction. Brother, machines don't fear death. Speaking of machines, that's an impressive new upgrade there, Ripper. What made you go for the hydraulic shears as a limb replacement? Ooh, brother. I'ma tell you now, this isn't an upgrade. I could have popped a man's skull with my bare hands. I had no need for augments, but in the last fight, I got sloppy. After 15 rounds, killing 25 scummers, Losing eight pounds of blood. I was at the flu. There was a moment of weakness. They gave my opponent their shot. One slice, and the scum had my arm clean off. So I beat them to death with my own severed limb. And I learned two valuable lessons that day. Number one, remain 100% focused on the utter destruction of the opponent in front of you at all times. Uh, and what was the second lesson? That a severed arm deteriorates real fast when used as a bludgeon, brother. And whilst I could continue to fight in matches one-handed, my propaganda says that fans, they, they like two arms, and so... Valuable lessons indeed, Rebarticus. Any last words for your opponent? That Cordor Weakling's only strength is that of his beliefs, and he's going to be sorely disappointed when those fail him. As he begs the Emperor for mercy, and there is none. The only god in that arena is me and this. My angel of death. Very. I am an angry god, and mercy is my prerogative, brother. Terrific. I'm gonna break that pious trash freak's body, one bone at a time. Well, that's really. And then I'm gonna squeeze him so hard, his organs will turn into paste. And then I'll point him at the audience, crush him, snip his head clean off, firing it into the crowds on a pressurized jet of his own blood. Oh, that. that that's dark. That's and I will stand dark. victorious. Bathing in his warm blood. Oh, you're finished. Oh, good. Th that's quite the artistic vision, Ripper. And, uh, no doubt, giving the people in the splash zone ex exactly what they paid for. Well, Blitz, it's, uh, it's all about the fans, brother. Thank you for your time, Ripper Varticus. Now we'll hand over to Krieg, who should be with Roddy the Piper in the, uh, blue dressing room. I am Krieg. And I am in the blue dressing room with Roddy the Piper. Raudicus Redentius Piper. My name was a blessing from the uh, great... Right, so, Roddy. Uh, Raudicus. Okay, Pip. Uh, Roddy's fine. If you insist, uh, here we are. The crowds are baying for blood and screaming for the satisfaction that only Mortabal can satiate. They are nothing to me. My only desire is to bring the word of his holy glory to the ignorant and iniquitous. Well, glory is earned through violence here, and Ripopardicus looks ready to rend. What's your game plan? He's 450 pounds of fat-grown muscle, and I hear his lobo-chip is set to smush. I fear none but the judgment of his omniscience. That's confusing! But what will a malnourished walking petting zoo be bringing to ensure victory? 
I have two unbeatable weapons in my arsenal. That sounds uncomfortable! Firstly, my unswerving faith in his magnificence, the God Emperor of mankind. Does he uh, give you spinning blades of death? What? Uh, no, no! He gives me strength beyond the feeble alchemical dabbling of mere mortals. Ecumenical! But what's your second weapon? Pamphlets? Mock away, faithless one. My second weapon is my highly trained and disciplined team of bomb rats. Explosive! Quite, yes. I will use General Squeaky Bottom to guide his team of highly <laughs> intelligent brothers to deliver a payload of incendiary charges with a precision worthy of his name to that ungodless wretch and detonate with a fury that will deliver his heathen body to the heavens. Wait, uh, let's go back there. Squeaky Bottom? What? Did you just say your weapon of choice? It's called Squeaky Bottom. Uh, yes. Why are you smirking? Look, I've had him since I was a foundling. He, he is the culmination of years of training and rigorous hours of tactical expertise using this. A whistle? This is not a whistle. This pipe has been tuned to perfection. Each note is a specific command that my rodents will obey. Oh, oh, uh, uh, can you play some city melody? I used to love that one when I was fresh from the bath. Heretic! This is no paltry child's instrument. It is a master-crafted instrument so, uh, you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Roddy and his squeaky butt with a tin whistle. Rodicus and General Semantics! Your ignorance is meaningless, and once you witness his wrath through me as the vessel of his vengeance, you will beg to be- The time for talking is over, Rod. There's the klaxon. You better get yourself in the arena and put your butt where your mouth is. What? In his glorious name! With me, my rodents! And there he goes, ladies and gentle scum. Looking like a walking bundle of rags and sticks. Oh, he left his whistle. This is shaping up to be one hell of a fight, listeners. We have an unstoppable behemoth of violent strength and determination versus a slippery rat bastard who relies on cunning, a bag full of tricks, exotic beasts, and the fact that nobody has been able to get close enough or live long enough to land a single blow on him this whole season. This match could go either way, and it could all be over in one round or twenty. Who knows? But someone is dying here today. The last survivor wins the match. I am back! How is Ruddy the Piper? Enthusiastic! Excellent! This is gonna be a good one, Krieg! I am very excited! That's a little too obvious, but, but me also! Ooh, ooh, and here come the fighters now! Ripper Particus is stomping down the runway from his dressing room. 
Surrounded by a leverage sparking flares, flames, and lasers, he is really putting on a show for the fans this evening, listeners. Arms raised, punching the air like it owes him money and impregnated his sister. And here comes Ronnie! Please welcome to the arena our second contestant for this evening's match, Roddy the Piper! Is it me or did it just get very cold in here? Ooh, the crowd loves to hate this contender! And here we can see his entourage of beasts. Roddy is being followed down the walkway by several giant rats, including General Squeaky Bob. And uh, I believe, uh, according to the documentation here, that the other rat he will be using in this evening's match is called Sergeant Lederhosen. This seems somewhat appropriate. There is also a dark cloud of sheepbirds circling over the arena as Roddy signs peace among worlds to the crowd. The fighters are entering the cage now. Let me tell you, for the folks at home, what we're seeing here is, it's unbelievable. In the red corner, we have Ripoparticus, who stands at an impressive seven feet and five inches. Whereas in the blue corner, the diminutive Ronnie the Piper comes in at five feet and six. But Ronnie has two giant rats with him. Indeed he does, Blitz. General Squeaky Bottom and Sergeant Leader Hosen. Roddy's beasts made a real quick meal out of the last fighter he was matched against. Yeah, Happy Shrapnel really didn't stand much of a chance in that match. He was hunted down and pinned by two sheen birds, whilst a bomb rat with an incendiary charge came in to finish it off. Ooh, nasty. Now the ref is entering the cage. Go over the rules one last time with the fighters. Once again, folks, remember, this is a full-on death match. There's no tap-outs here tonight. No mercy is to be shown. The last living participant takes the Murder Brawl Championship title. Yep, that's it. The ref is leaving the cage and walking in behind him. Ripoparticus is stretching out his huge arms as he waits for the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to murder! Wasting no time at all, Ripper Parnicus is steaming ahead across the arena towards Ruddy! Sergeant Lederhosen has charged towards Ripper, looking to make an earth. Oh, it was completely in vain! Ripper Parnicus, while still charging forward across the arena, sidestepped the rat sponge and simultaneously snipped the rat in two. Ruddy's Lederhosen is down! <laughs> Guess it was time for that rat to split! <laughs> Roddy doesn't even see Faith! He's just standing there calmly, while Ripper Partigas still hurtles towards him! Roddy has just pulled out a small instrument! Oh, it's that whistle thing! He's commanding the last remaining rat! The rat is taking something from Roddy's gadget packed chest ring, and is now, is now charging towards Ripper Partigas, who is rapidly closing the distance on Roddy the Piper! The rat is flinging itself towards... Wait! Look, that was a fake-out! The rat twists mid-air and bounces off of Ripper's incoming shears, narrowly avoiding the ranger edge. But what's that? I don't know. It's, it's too small to see from here. The giant rat threw something at Ripper, but it doesn't seem to have had any effect. What has happened? Well, whatever it was, let's hope there's a greater plan here, because Ripper Particus is now towering over Ruddy the Piper. Ruddy the Piper looks like... The blood is completely drained out of his body. He 
He's frantically surging his chest rig, but it's too late! Ripper Particus has grappled Roddy the Piper! One giant fist closing over Roddy's head as Ripper sends it slamming into the floor! What, Krieger? Are you okay? <laughs> oh man, what the fuck just happened? You, camera scum! No, no, not you! The one that isn't scooping his guts back into his stomach hole! Yes, you! Get us an instant replay on that now! Krieg, what's that sticking out of your chest? What's what? Whoa! Okay, uh, that's, uh, that's new? Krieg, it looks like half of Ripopartacus' shear blades. Oh, cool! Memorabilia! Can someone fetch a medic, please? And and where's that action replay? Uh, it's, it's okay, Blitz. I'll just pull it out. No, no Krieg, don't pull that out there. It's, it's in really deep. <laughs> That's what your mom said! <laughs> oh, well, clearly you're doing well enough for us to find out what happened. <laughs> yep! Let's roll! The replay before the adrenaline wears off! Well, there we go, fight fans. From another replay, we can see that the item that the rat throat Ripopartacus was the pin from a blasting charge that Ruddy the Piper had on his chest ring. I'm gonna go out on the limb and say that this was not an intentional move on Roddy's part. Had that been the blasting charge, the rat had thrown at Ripper, I think this would have ended very differently. And here we can see the moment that Roddy the Piper starts to wonder what happened. So many questions must be going through his mind in those brief seconds. Why hasn't Ripopartacus exploded like a flesh pinata yet? Where is the busting charge? How did Ripper fit my whole head in his hand? Is this what it feels like to be hamburger meat? Indeed, Krieg. Instead, it just went off as the two fighters were in arm's reach of each other. I bet that's gonna leave a stain on the arena. And a lot of the crowd come to think of it. The question is, though, how is this match going to be concluded? There are medics picking their way through the shredded and flesh-tatted remains of the cage arena, trying to find the answers now. There! In the debris! Something's moving! The medical team are checking it now! It... it... it's... Well, ladies and gentle scummers, this is an unexpected turn. It appears that General Squeaky Bottom... One of Ronnie the Piper's giant rats has made it through the explosion alive. No doubt it's comparatively light body weight and distance from the explosion saves it from being torn to shreds. <laughs> Squeaky bottom. The medical team have called it. Both Ripper Particus and Ronnie the Piper are toast. What a way to go out on a championship brawl, Blitz. Actually, Krieg, according to the wording of the match's contract, that might not be the case. Huh? But Blitz, what do you mean? The wording of the contract states that the last surviving participant of the championship fight will be declared the winner. But they're both dead, Blitz. What does that mean? I think it means we're looking at our winner. Wait, what? I'm getting word from the official murder brawl adjudicators now. Yep, yes. As strange as it seems, fight fans, due to the contractual wording of the match, General Squeaky Bottom <laughs> is to be declared the winner. I did 
I did really not see that one coming. Well, neither did I, Krieg, but that's the weird way things go at Murder Brawl! Yeah, Murder Brawl! I never got to do that. Yeah. And uh, General Squeaky Bottom is an unlockable character in the game. <sighs> an interesting way to memorialize the Murder Brawl champion. Oh, uh, Blitz, uh, do you, do you want to play the game? Well, it's not like I'm doing much else. Okay, then. Yay! I'll find another controller. Anyhow, listeners, we better pass you back to the studio. Uh-oh. No! My Swarovski figurines! Creep! Okay, listeners, welcome back to the Some City Radio Shack uh, with me and Chris. It's uh, now time for Hot in the Hive. Hot in the Hive. <laughs> this segment is lit. Okay, Hot in the Hive is the segment where we talk about all the new information that's come up for Necromunda, be it releases, leaks, community works, articles, blog posts, videos, podcasts, and so on. Um, so, Chris, do you want to start this one off? Yeah, no problem, Steve. Uh, I'll start us off with the Rogue Dock, an absolutely fantastic little sculpt that they've teased us that's going to be one of the new hangers-on um assume for the uh, House of Blades release. Yeah. So uh, she's got that cool little boiler suit on that's like zipped down and the, um, the surgical mask and the um, hypodermic gun. Um, apparently she's some kind of field chemist um, that you can use as a rogue doc. So I'm assuming they'll get some kind of uh, cheap access to rogue docs nice. through that. Looking forward to that coming out. Actually. I, really, I really like the model, and obviously that everyone's biting at the bit now yeah. for, for uh, House of Blades. It's like uh, we can't have an epidemic every time, or a pandemic rather, every time this happens. It's like we need these releases to drop once we get <laughs> these things coming out, because otherwise people are just going to be going crazy for it. Yeah, or GW have to let us sleep in the factory and all isolate there, and we'll work for them and have, just have nice two toes. What else was in that release? You had the little spotter model, didn't you? Uh, the new hanger on. Um, it's the one that I've said in the groups looks like it's got a very kind of uh, Star Wars-y vibe to it you know the rebel uniform that they yeah, used to have yeah with the little flat cap and the kind of quilted jacket what was the uh, the phrase was it Ralph McCrary or something oh, the, like? the concept artist for the original yeah. Star Wars films yeah definitely a really really cool kind <clears> of <throat> early Star Wars vibe to it so we've got that to look forward to as well and obviously they teased the new uh, Matriarch model with the sawn yeah. off and the I really like that part. one yeah really cool big Buffer boots seems to be a definite move away from the kind of high heel wear and standards that we've had or we've seen in the past. Um, so yeah, skinhead with massive boots for kicking people in the dick. Yeah. Good <laughs> yeah, axe kick up for like the Goliath. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, with that model, I don't, that's the thing. I don't know from the pictures that have been presented to us by Games Workshop. I don't know whether that's a separate weapons kit or whether it's one that comes with that specific model. Do you know what I mean? Because he had the, the pictures of all the weapons. It was like the plasma cannon, the grenade launcher, the power axe, power hammer, um, um, this all is, those bits. Definitely, it's something that's being speculated on across all of the kind of all the Facebook group, groups, all of the, the like the Discord, Yak Tribe, anywhere you go, Reddit. 
then obviously you've got the weapons which look like renders and they're obviously not connected to any hands so is that just uh, an indication of what we'll get coming in new weapons packs i mean if that's if that's the case i would love that because yeah it makes it so much more versatile it's like you can either stick them on a wall or on the back of a vehicle or you know you can then edit in the hands yourself but with the existing weapon packs obviously we've got all the hands involved haven't we yeah it would it, it be an extreme departure from uh from everything that they've set as a president uh, in the past however we've got the new matriarch models we've seen two of them so far they both seem quite different both got different weapon layouts and different poses and a lot of people are saying that they think that they're forge world and some people with an idea of how um casting and sculpting work suggest that there's no way that they could be made in plastic i don't know i don't know enough about that process um on a manufacturing level to be able to call that um but i think it's really unusual that they'd be taking somebody from a standard gang a standard gang lineup and yeah. producing them through Forge World and selling them that way. It's almost like a paywall to get your full gang, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And that seems a bit unusual. I, it, they could be right, and that might be the way. And if so, I might have to just throw a few extra quid at them. But, yeah, definite, um, definitely unusual if that's the way they're going. Yeah. Also, there's been a, a little bit of, <laughs> I think, griping about the uh, the plasma cannon, wasn't it? Because wasn't there like an arm grip right going right over the coils on the top of the plasma? Yeah, cannon? <laughs> yeah, I, I've read that. I mean, I can I can only agree. With that. I didn't notice it myself when I first. To be uh, fair, I didn't. I, I was like, saw oh, it, yeah. and somebody was like, "Yeah, that would that would burn your arms off," and I suppose it would. Yeah. Um. Now that that's been pointed out, I think I would have to change that slightly myself. Yeah, I was, I, I, either way, I th it still looked bloody cool. Oh, no, it looks so. awesome. But I thought all of the weapons did. I think the, the kind of the elegant curves they give to Escher's weapon really, really fit with the house kind of aesthetic. Yeah, they just tie everything so well with all of the gangs that have come out so far. Definitely. Um, what else have we had that's been going on? Uh, we've had the resurrection rules in White Dwarf. What was it? Uh, 453, I think I said earlier on. Something like that. Um, but yeah, that was well worth them putting out. And we'll be going into a deeper discussion on that later on. But yeah, kudos to Games Workshop for putting out more supplements. Oh, absolutely. Um just more of that, please. Yes, please. <laughs> more, especially in in this kind of uh, time period we find at the moment where we're having to spend a lot of time indoors. So more rules, yeah, that'd be great. What else has been going on, Chris? Oh, so uh, there's a guy on one of the Facebook, um, well, across the Facebook uh, pages, he, he was putting a call out for a Necromunda Quest game that he's wanting to develop. Um, so he's invited quite a few people across the community who've shown an interest um, um, and it's basically making a Warhammer Quest style dungeon crawler set in Necromunda using like AI enemies and the guy's awesome. called John Craig uh, like I say there is a private group but um, if you have shown an interest you're probably in the group already and if you haven't maybe just hit him up a search for Necromunda Quest in all of the like the Necromunda Worldwide, Necromunda 2017 yeah. And I'm sure you'll be able to hunt it down and, and get involved. I, I am a member of said group. And uh, yeah, it's very early days for it because I think he's just trying to get a census of uh, what people would want from it and exactly how people would like it. And there's quite a lot of um, opposing opinions at the moment as to ways in which it should be done and what systems it should borrow from and what it shouldn't and all this kind of thing. So I think it's going to take a while to sort of sift through it and find something that's a mid-ground for everything that works really well as a a sort of an enclosed homebrew system so it, you know it's it's really exciting idea and early days for it but yeah by all means get yourself on the group if he'll let you in and uh, throw in your ideas as well 
cool. Other than that, I mean, that's that's kind of the more officially type things that have been put out. Generally speaking, I, I think this has a lot to do with the fact that people have been stuck indoors with a whole bunch of uh, what what's the the phrase that's been thrown around a couple of times now? Grey pile of shame yeah. <laughs> that they've got sitting in the, the back room, and it's like. Yeah, the Necromunda community has just exploded with amazing work in the last month. And, you know, we could literally sit here and dedicate a whole podcast to everything that we've seen. Um, and, you know, totally breaking our own rules for, you know, sharing so many points that we're going well over time. But um, we're just going to have to pick a couple of them that we've seen and just try and fly through this and squeeze in as many as possible. So, um, Chris, how do you want to approach it this month? Um, if you just want to rattle through some, then I'll rattle through some. Yeah, cool. Um, in which case, then I will. Oh, crack before straight... you start, though, just oh. remember, listeners, uh, a breakdown uh, with links and pictures will be attached to the main post, so that you'll be able to find these for yourselves, so you're not just listening to us slavering about them. Yeah, absolutely. So. <clears throat> In which case, then, quickly as possible. So, first off, Jason Holland. Um, he's probably someone that we've mentioned before at some point, but he is just knocking the work out of the park at the moment. His modelling conversion pussy is on fire right now. Oh, yes, honey. And I'm sure he'll appreciate the reference there because he did that at Eleganza Club, didn't he? Um, so, yeah, he's, there's two things that briefly that I want to mention. Is he's remade a Spire gang from scratch. So I think he's using Venator rules to run them at the moment. But the models he's made, a really nice interpretation of the Spires. I am the ultimate badass. Yes. State of the badass art. Uh, and then he's done his Water Guild models as well. And he's got like this little mini sub thing that's walking around on legs. It just looks really cool. Um, so, yeah, kudos to you, Jason. We've got Colin Bigard who's posted to the Necromunda Terrain Makers group. Um, he's took one of his kids' toy cranes and he slapped a Thomas the Tank Engine-style face onto it before augmenting it further. So it's like a cross between Thomas the Tank Engine and a servo skull on a giant crane. It's the stuff of nightmares for young Jews, I imagine. <laughs> it's just like so absolute mental idea. <laughs> absolutely love it, though. So, yeah, well done to Colin. Um, and then this one's taken from Instagram. It's uh, Simoni Dex. Um, it's a pit fighter, but it's been heavily augmented with what looks like one giant harpoon gun arm. And I, it's just beautifully painted with this kind of sickly green skin. And, and it's got like an augmented monocular cyborg head on the top as well. Kind of similar to the ones that are on the Ogrins that are going to be coming out soon. Yeah. Uh, just a really nice model. Um, moving on, Martin Freshet. Again, a name I think that was popped up before in the past. He posted into Necromunda Terrain Makers, a beautifully painted and deceptively simple looking piece of terrain that is very evocative of the original Necromunda 95 cardboard terrain, but it's using, and it's actually using the bulkheads from that as well, but it's just like a beautiful homage to it. Um, so yeah, check out the images for that. Will Caldwell. Uh, posted to our group about his male Escher conversion. <laughs> this was great. Um, it's converted from a Lord of the Rings model. Um, so you can tell that there's a lot of love that's been put into this. But I think also Lord of the Rings is operating at a smaller scale to Necromunda. I, th I can't remember what the, the size is of it. Is it like 20... Uh, 25 to 28 mil variation or something like that but anyway the point is is that as as a result it's a bit smaller than the other models and it just fits perfectly with the fluff that's out there for male eshers. Um so yeah well done will 
Uh, then I'm gonna absolutely butcher this name. Um, no, Vlad Flayerstein, <laughs> I think it is, or something like that. Um, posted into the Necromunda Underhive Gang War community, uh, and I'm not sure why, but that's always where the best and most surprising conversions come from. From someone doing it for the shiggles. Um It's the Forge World Squat or Dwarven Bounty Hunter, and I can't remember what his name is for the life of me, and he's riding a giant chicken steed, and I don't know if that's just a nod towards Final Fantasy VII and the Chocobos in it, but it just looks really awesome. Um, so, yeah, and the, you know what with Final Fantasy VII coming out recently, I have to wonder if that was definitely a, um, a influence on that. But yeah, Vlad, well done on that one. Um, <clears throat> again, another name that I'm probably going to butcher. Mikhail Krujev, I think it is. Um, again, Mikhail Krujev. I would have Krujev. Mikhail Krujev. Okay. Um, I hope that's right. Uh, posted to a group called the 40k Converters Kitbash Carnage. Um, it's a build of the artwork that we've seen for what he's referring to as a Procyon Lord. Um, the Promethean Guild chap that sat in like a lotus pose on a floating platform with like two big burners behind him. You'll see it in the image. It's really cool. Um, it looks like it should actually be a full Games Workshop kit. It, it looks that in keeping with the, the style that you'd expect from Necromunda. Um, he's made the model in the same sitting position and he's completely green stuffed the robe covered crossed legs and it, it's just wow okay so please have a look at the image for this go check out his artwork the games workshop artwork that was in the reveal that they did years ago now where this image comes from refers to it as the Prometheum guild uh, mercator's pyros well done to him terry baker um posted to our group the corpse guild undertakers i wish this was an actual gang that games workshop were actually going to produce um i would very much be the one of these people shouting shut up and take my money if that was the case um so so much detail heavily augmented misshapen guild members with all kinds of mechanical augment saws claws medical looking servo arms and loads of admittedly almost cartoonish bright red drippy gore all over it which it just contrasts beautifully with the paintwork that he's done on it so yeah good job terry uh, then we've got Mark Schrader's Rock'em Sock'em Ambots diorama. Like, ooh! <laughs> the kind of thing that needs a set of rules with it. This is just... I've been talking about this kind of thing for ages. I've been saying about having an Ambot Fighting League rule set up. Three, two, one. And I'm going to do it one day if someone doesn't beat me to it. I may eventually create rules. I don't know. But yeah, this is just so beautifully done. So bravo, Mark. Andreas Hackinson. Uh, one of the Dark Uprising doors with a hand that's stuck in it. Uh, and they've got graffiti on it to make it look like it's a giant creature's uh, teeth just like locking over the where the wrist is of this hand. Uh, so it's just really nice little detail there. Uh, we've got Matt Darren's Sarbucks. You can see where he's got that from. And Argon's <laughs> store, a riff off of Argos. I don't know. Do, we, do our American listeners have Argos stores? Let me know. Um, but great idea. Really well executed. And then someone who goes by the name of Le Passeur. Again, the, the screenshot looks terrible that I've got for this, but his work is absolutely amazing. Oh, my. Oh, my. Um, he's put up two posts recently for a Borderlands-inspired enforcer station and a factory that has actual smoke coming out of the stacks at the top. Um, so, Trebian, c'est fantastique. Brilliant. That's my points, Chris. Okay. Right, so we've got a... 
Dark Kin Takes. Um, they did a Lady Death Pale Consort uh, at the Corpse Harvesting Party on Instagram. Absolutely stunning conversion using Greyfax as a carrying arm with a pimp cane, a bird skull <laughs> and a top hat. Really characterful, awesome nice. stuff. Um, Steve paints and sculpts. Occasionally. Cordor leader in carapace armour using um, a cordor with a blood ball mummy shoulder pads. Um, Cherub incense burner and pious vaunts flamethrower flame with uh, chaos cultist um, flames coming out the end of it. Looks incredible. Awesome. It's huge. Um, William Tompkins uh, done the Vice Quarter run by Escher in High Varkos before uh, the Dark Uprising. It's like a neon nightmare landscape. Yeah, that is so cool. To, uh, doll's head and black light effects were really cool. Um, give me a go at pronouncing this. Guillaume Domeris. Please forgive me if I've um, got that wrong. Uh, in fact, I think this might be the actual name of the guy that you, the Borderlands I think you're right, station, yes. And they've got the spotlights on the floor and the scrolling poster built into yep. the wall. Yep. So That's again, the one, yeah. Um, he did a video um, that I saw posted up in the groups, which is why I couldn't sort of put up an image of it because you just can't see all of the work in it. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, I have to agree with you on that. That was pretty amazing. Uh, Michael Barnes did a gun stall and used the old um, square movement trays that he used to get. But it's oh, got nice. loads of uh, like individual guns, ammo, grenades. It's got like a chair, cash register, toolbox. Just a great build, full of story. Um, and that's on Necromunda Terrain Makers. Uh, Shibboleth uh, did a rat kebab vendor called Max's <laughs> Kebabs. It's just a little corner stall, but it's got like a little lit up grill and um, shelves of really suspicious condiments in the background and tiny rats on skewers. It was just really cool. Awesome. Um, Demolition Man style rat burger. Exactly. <laughs> Alexander Lund on the uh, Inquisitorium. It's a hive tyrant with a fully modelled, um, you know, for carrying heavy weapons. like a servo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Full servo harness, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, just incredible. Yeah, really cool, uh, fantastic conversion. Uh, Simon Westlake, our own Simon, who uh, is admin on our page, uh, did an awesome uh, set of custom furnace barriers and a heavy rivet cannon using uh, Ogren shields and a plinth-mounted rivet cannon. Um, really good to see them kind of uh, brought into real life. Um, Phil Campbell did uh, Cal Jericho, the paint job on it, man. The leather just looks real. It was just fantastic. I asked him how he's yeah. done it, and he does like like a, a pointillism quite kind of effect. I, I, I got to try it out at some point, but yeah, just incredible. It um, does look amazing, yeah. Uh, Schoolboy Studio, uh, oh, I love these guys. Um, Scrungo the Chain Lord on his squig hopper. It's it, it's it's like this purpley pink pale skinned squig and it's got this yeah. little dude riding on the back of it uh, and it just it's jumping up in the air and it looks like a yeah an evil space hopper like a living space hopper. <laughs> uh, it's like uh, what's it called? Um, little bastard or something yeah. like that. Uh, it's got a shock whip and just yeah a sh- little little shithead on a on a squig with a shock whip just glorious. Awesome. Um, uh, back to uh, Mikhail Kruyev uh, please forgive us for murdering your name mate um, or, or any of his friends who are listening uh, he's Water Guild Master Nautican on Underhive yeah. Gang War they're all over the place he's done a full um, Water Guild and a few other um, and it's based on the Erios um, Slag Mist model yeah yeah and he's the, done uh... loads of styrene rods and, um, and and sheet to make individual mechanical arms 
just incredible absolutely fantastic and the paintwork on top to, to boot just amazing I'm going to stop yeah. there man because otherwise this section is going to be 100 years long yeah okay but you know I'd say that's just a small segment of what everyone has been putting out this last month guys I know officially we've not had a huge amount come our way uh, and that's completely understandable for the reasons that we've already discussed but the community has certainly filled the void um, where that gap has been made. So, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for all the cool work that you're putting out. And thank you even more for sharing it with us in our group and all the other groups as well. Yeah, and people have started sharing other people's work as well. It's not just like they're putting their own on there. They're saying, have you seen this? Have you watched this video? Have you seen this this new shop? Or And it's really cool and it really helps us out because, obviously, we're we're just as into it as you are. So And we can't kind of keep our eye on everything. So if you think or the lads might be interested in that, or, or somebody else in the group might be interested in that, definitely share it on there. It keeps us kind of ticking over at the moment. So, yeah, thanks again. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, guys. Right, in which case then, uh, we're going to go over to our next show associate, who is Klaus. So uh, hopefully he's going to <laughs> um, deal with some of our listeners' issues. Yeah, I think I'm going to go and have a lie down while he does that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See you in a bit, listeners. Wonderful. Okay, Agatha, create file Klaus SCR episode 6. Yes, Klaus. File created. New Sam City Radio recording activated. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Schnitzel. Oh, I wonder if that's my delivery. Ein Moment. Door open. I've been... Oh, this is a surprise. And can I help you, gentlemen? You'd better hope you can, Mr. Von Throb. My client and your life depends on it. Well, I have a reputation for helping those in need. We don't want your, frankly, disturbing advice. We need to locate something that you appear to have come into possession of that our client is eager to retrieve. McGee. Magnical, that freak. Oh, you're a big one. Are you the muscle? Mmm, <laughs> so eloquent and so strong. Ouch, those are tight. <laughs> oh, where are my manners? This is Stabby McGee. I'm afraid his verbal communication is limited, but what he lacks in eloquence and vocabulary, he more than makes up for in his artistry with a blade. It is quite fucking masterful. So he chooses to express himself in that medium, and does so quite beautifully. Well, I have always been a keen patron of the arts. In this case, Mr. Von Throb, I think you will find that you are the canvas. Now... I'm going to need you to shut your fucking dirty mouth and speak only when I ask a question. And only if you have the answer I want to hear. Oh, I do love a game. That was an example of what I did not want to hear. Now you are familiar with the rules. Next time, 
it will be Mr. McGee slashing you instead of a playful slap. Do you understand? Ja. Okay, now, now we're getting somewhere. But just to be sure that you appreciate the ramifications of pissing me off, Mr. McGee, do me the honor of a demonstration. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, Mr. Von Throb, let's begin. You have in your possession several hololithics that in the wrong hands and with the wrong context appear to show my client in an compromising situation with a group of dirty little streetlings, all inaccurate and defamatory, of course, but nevertheless potentially damaging to our client's reputation. You are aware of the hololithics to which I refer? You can tell the Earl of Morak that I cannot help him in this situation, that I will not help him in this situation. Disappointing. I never mentioned a name, Mr. Von Throb. That's two mistakes you just made. Mr. McGee, if you would. Okay, let's try this again. Tell me where the hololithics are. Nine. I don't think I will. Another mistake, Mr. Von Throb. Mr. McGee. Again, Mr. McGee. Again. Again. And... Once more, for good measure, if you would, Mr. McGee, nothing too vital. <laughs> what the fuck? Aha! It's an expression of mirth or amusement. That is to say, finding some humor in a situation? Uh, talking of mistakes, Mr. Crobbett. What? How? Who told you? Talking of mistakes. I must point out several that you have made, Mr. Crobbett. Shut up! Stop saying my name. I'll show you amusement, you filthy little bastard. You are in no position. What? But, but how? You are magnacled. Your first mistake. Hold this, please, Mr. McGee. Hmm? Mr. McGee! I'm afraid he will be even less talkative from now on. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah, your first mistake. Using cheap magnacles on a man who has a keen, um, interest. <laughs> In restraints. Very sloppy. Back off. You just keep the fuck away. Honest and open. Open this door now. Bring me to your next mistake. Entering the highly secured dwelling of a known arms dealer and weapons expert and not securing a way out before allowing the voice-activated door to close behind you. Put that gun down now. I, I, I have connections. I... I can get you anything you want. Your next mistake. Attempting to torture me with paper cuts, Mr. Crobbett. I am a highly decorated veteran and a highly respected member of the proud house of Vansa. And as such, I have lived my entire life in excruciating agony. Kept alive through a complex cocktail of chemicals or technology beyond your meager comprehension. Anything you want, please. I can get you creds, uh, uh, precious gems, drugs, uh, uh, how about streetlings? Yes, yes, enough to satisfy any desire. Bringing me to your biggest and 
Unfortunately not your final mistake, taking the innocence of defenseless children for the gratification of depraved monsters and lining your pockets in the process. Please don't kill me. Oh, I won't. Not quite yet. Anyway... Ah! My legs! Please, no! Don't fret, Mr. Crobbett. The superheated plasma has instantly cauterized the wound, and you are in no immediate risk of death. Oh, I think I know what that is. Better late than never, eh? Door open. Delivery for Mr. Von Thrub from Leonard Dime. Accompanying message reads, Hey, you old scoundrel. I hope this finds you well. And I can't wait to hear the review. Have fun, you delightful broke. See you soon. Message ends. Please input fingerprint to release package. Thank you. Goodbye. Oh, Leonard. You beautiful creature. More fun than you could imagine. This, Mr. Crobbit, is a mastercrafted shock whip made by the finest artisans of House Escher. Twelve feet of adamantium cordage woven around a conductive core and encrusted with ceramite barbs. It was initially going to be the subject of my latest segment for some city radio, but now I think I have a much better idea. No. Keep away! Ah! And your final mistake, a small matter to you perhaps, but important to me, namely interrupting my recording. I take enormous pride in my work, Mr. Crobbett. My little darlings expect excellence, and that is exactly what I produce. Steve and Chris will be eagerly awaiting delivery of my latest segment, and I hate to disappoint. So, Agatha, could you please deliver the latest recording on the Morak Hololithics to the boys? There's a darling. Oh, and tell them, hello boys, I think this will be of extreme interest to you and the listeners. Please prepare this for immediate broadcast. Or, you better add something like, it's a juicy whopper. We don't want them to worry about me. All my love. Klaus von Throb, stop recording. Message received. Delivery protocol initiated. Information encrypted. Deactivating recording in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Now, where were we, Mr. Crobbit? A crowd to your DJ, some city of plenty, some city of plenty. Toss a crowd to your DJ, some city of plenty. Help support some city radio by heading over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash some city radio. Help support the show and allow yourself to feel epic. 
now back to the studio. Wow, well, um, that that was uh, interesting. Thank you for that, Klaus. I hope uh, you haven't made us some enemies. It's amazing what goes on behind closed doors, I guess. Um, <laughs> speak to you next time, Klaus. Uh, right, okay, so for the next section, we've got our good friend, Jessly. Hello, Hello Jessly. Hey, and that means that we're doing War Room. Welcome to the War Room. Let's talk tactics. Okay, Justy, um, we've got you here this time, and uh, we're here to look at Ogren slave gangs. So, what nice. horrific treats do you have in line for us? Well, sadly, it's a, it's not so much a feast as a nibble, but they're an interesting <laughs> gang. Yes. Uh, so, by popular request, it's the slave Ogrins today. And for those who aren't familiar with them, they're a strain of abhuman from heavy gravity worlds that are huge and strong and powerful, but incredibly dim-witted and unintelligent. Because of that, they're fiercely loyal and friendly, but they don't like enclosed spaces. Uh, on Necromunda, they're used in their thousands as a slave race, in hazardous environments and for demeaning labour that even the specially created Goliaths aren't suitable for. But every now and again, one of them gets the dumb idea of having an idea and rebelling. <laughs> And that's where they come into our story. They put me in mind of, you know, the old Bugs Bunny cartoons, the Lenny yeah. and George rip-off that they used to do. It'd be like a big uh, abominable snowman thing. I want to oh, yeah, hug yeah. him and squeeze him and love him, call him George. Yeah. I just think of Lenny and George. Yeah, that's pretty much it. They are hugely powerful. Uh, a lot of the fluff uh, relates them to, like, space marine strength and endurance because they're absolutely huge and dense, but they're incredibly dumb. Because, so, of course, they are used in 40k as well, aren't they? Yep, yep. They're a shock troop in small units where they'll fight and protect their loyal commissars and cause havoc as long as you point them in the right direction. Cool. Just want to point out for the listeners uh, that we're coming at this from what is almost becoming a uh, set pattern now of, of preparation, which is where Jessly obviously knows his shit and deals with this in detail. Chris looks it up at a uh, sort of a base level so he has an understanding of it, and I'm coming at it from knowing nothing so I can get genuine reactions of people who are picking this up for the first time. <laughs> and that's in no way related to me being completely lost on uh, Critter Crossing that I've been playing a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah th this is genuinely how it's supposed to be done all right so last episode we talked about how goliath genesmithing can be used to create some incredible character traits and personality or formidable stat line monsters and slave ogrins start at the peak of the monsters we had created so a lot of their history of being the slave race and being strong is represented really creatively in their rules and abilities with their experience coming from blood sports in the fighting pits instead of pseudo-military gang training, slave ogrins are more proficient at close combat than at marksmanship. So instead of beginning with the backing of a powerful house and getting plasma and power weapons thrown at them, ogrins have actually a very limited house list to reflect the weapons they're used to having or literally mm -hmm. were attached to them at the time of their rebellion. The house list doesn't contain any guns at all. Pistols, specials, basics, nothing which is a really big deal when you consider that the Corpse Grinders got some uh, rain support from the Initiates. That's true. Uh, so they are the first all-melee gang 
because they're special, they do have access to the uh, Storm Welder, but that's as a built-in bionic, so it's an augmented weapon, not a special class. Hmm. And uh, while cultists could get their extra weapons later on, slave ogrins can only buy hand weapons from their house list, so they're specifically locked down to the weapons they have on their house list, and that's across the board from the gangers to the leader. And that's permanent or just to be That is 100% permanent. They wow. can start with an augmented weapon, which is the built-in, they've been attached to them surgically. Yeah. Or they can buy hand weapons um, at creation or later on, but only from their house list. As There's no go. adding extra um, augmented weapons on. It's considered that that's what they escaped with. And that's what they've got. That people aren't selling these at your local haberdashery. So staying to that thematic rebellion. Yeah, uh, as I say, it makes perfect sense because if you consider their massive, massive hands, uh, the Imperial Guard provides them with uh, ripper guns, which are specially created to be hard wearing because they're so heavy handed. And yeah. if you think the vast forgers outputting weapons on Necromunda are for human sizes, these massive beasts aren't going to work with an Escher Lasgun or an the lack auto pistol. No, and I like I, I get that they can't just keep buying new augments because if you look at the way they modelled them, I mean, and they're awesome models. With the, they've got like the smooth kind of socket that the weapon clips onto, so you can you can model them as if they've only got one arm or if they've got like the augment missing, and it's like a a smooth um, semicircle like disc that's uh, convex. And it's like as if the augmented weapon magnetizes onto that. But I like the idea that you can't just go and pick one of those up from any trader because it's a specialist piece of industrial equipment. Although it's very limiting, it does fit quite well. And if not, they're not going to surgically sever their friends who've just received freedom to stick a welder on them. It's literally what they were mutilated for in the fighting pit yeah, that they exactly. walked out with. Yeah. So that's, that's really evocative. Uh, to fall into the pitfalls of the last episode. So that said, uh, <laughs> that's got that's kind of a bit of a oh they're really big and cool looking. So that's a plus point. And now hmm, limited selection minus point. So where are we going from there? Uh, next up is the pit fighter experience they've had. Not only does it show that they're focused on melee weapons for the thrill of the crowd, but they're also used to fighting independently. So their leaders, the overbosses, only start with group activation one. And their champions, oh. the underbosses, can't group activate at all. So that's an interesting dynamic to bring to the game as well. Yeah, so we brought it up last um, episode, how the Book of Chains introduced this mechanic of separating all champions and leaders doing two group activation, oh, two and then one activation at a time, to model specific. Like the Stimmer can't group activate. Yeah. This is another extension of that where they can manipulate the rules to ex- to expand upon the background and character of the models they're using. But also excusing the fact that you're definitely going to be using less models in a in ogring games. <laughs> yeah. If you start off with <laughs> six, seven fighters, group activate, suddenly you're facing ten guys with three turns left of activations. That's it, which is never good. Oh, from personal experience, God no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it definitely forces a different independence in playstyle that could be wildly different to other gangs because it's really easy to take for granted just how much momentum you can pick up when you group activate across the board, being able to use your leader or a, a ganger with your leader to create an opening for the other fighter to exploit. You literally can't do with the Ogrins. No, you're limited to the the play style that you have to approach, whereas you, you do have that option with other gangs, especially your swarm gangs, who 
may not necessarily uh, utilize their cult icons or their extra activations but you know that's in the bag at any time so you're always wary of that and you might even tease them to use that before you go for your kill move and get them to use it and waste it and then oh, it's a success or kind of just be wary that it's there whereas with these guys you know that that they just do not have that in the in the back pocket ready to kind of pull out and use yeah it's, it's really different so you've got to be very decisive in how you use your activations because you can't fall back on pressing a flank hard with a group or a hunting party so you'll end up with a lot it sounds more. like an all or nothing kind of approach to tactics really it's like you need to invest in it and just hope it pays off rather than being able to change your tactic halfway through oh yeah definitely and with their innate stat line they have a huge amount of resilience to it they can pick themselves oh, yeah. up and carry on but yeah you can't just rely on forcing a side quickly you've got to do it one at a time as each gladiator takes the stage so to speak yeah that's a nice way of envisaging it <laughs> It's definitely in there in the background and fluff because they're all pit fighters. Each one of them will have their own fighting style and the crowd will be screaming their names. So they don't work as well together as a gang would where they're used to fighting and relying on each other. Yeah. And again, it, it thematically makes sense that they wouldn't be great. They haven't got um, a commissar stood behind them, ordering them what to do. They, 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 they're, they're still ogrens. They're still have that kind of um that um simplicity yeah so yeah. they're yeah. dim-witted they don't they can... have someone thinking for them so they're not looking to seize the opportunity as tactically as a human might for instance i'm very much picturing a uh, hulk from thor ragnarok at the moment in terms of mentality for the pit fighting yeah where he doesn't care and he's not using a massive tactics just literally hitting thor just smashing through it yeah that's pretty much it they're not thinking of how to do the battle apart from the leader who has a little bit of a spark but yeah that's a big difference and then finally they're all runaways because they are ex-slaves they were property and the people who had them want them back especially on a planet that thrives on subjugating the masses rebellion is not tolerated uh, so they literally have the runaway special rule which says should a fighter with this special rule ever be taken captive and sold to the guilders the gang that sells them is awarded an extra d6 times 10 credits Ooh. Yeah, so this can be really big in some circumstances when you consider that each model is more expensive because you are paying for the stat line. Um, so you've got a lot of people that have got it in for you from the word go. Yeah, um, even the gangers who you know enjoy their freedom and stuff, there's certain rules you don't break, like allowing the opponents to pick up their wounded and stuff like that. Yeah. Ogrins aren't strictly human, so they don't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, but like we said, indentured yeah. workers—they're they're not people. The same rules don't apply to them. Um, so when each model is expensive, with expensive automatic weapons and equipment added on, you throw on an incentive like that, and taking captives is a big deal. So it's particularly true in law and misrule campaigns, where law. I suppose gang... it's also quite a big deal because you've got a smaller gang to start with. Yeah, if you, if you get someone taken captive, you are feeling it next game. You have to press for that return because if they sell them, you're out of body and a big chunk of credit. Yeah. And they're, they're taking quite a nice boost to their um, their stash as well. So you're feeding their, their war effort at the same time as, as losing tremendously. Massively. If you're losing a leader who rocks up 145 credits base, plus his toys, plus his armour, plus his equipment, 
you lose that 250 model, the opponent can get that value plus interest. So like in Law of Mithril campaigns, um, lawful gangs can get full credits on the bounties of outlaws they take hostage instead of wow. taking half their value. So you're taking that full value plus 1d6 times 10, which is a loot casket in any other day. Certainly makes hiring or using bounty hunters from um, from territory boons or taking on guild alliances like the slavers a lot more tempting. Is that something that slave or grins are going to be able to do then? Uh, no, I mean for the lawful gangs. Oh, right. Okay. Because yeah. obviously in a law and misrule campaign, uh, as you as a lawful gang increases their infamy and reputation, they can hire bounty hunters for free. Oh. And then some guild bonds and ter- rackets can give you extra bounty, well, let you take a bounty hunter if you want to. Yeah. And then some guild alliances increase um, a, the chances of taking a captive like the Water Guild. So you could literally set up a hunting party to go uh, go out for the um, Ogryn player. And oh, whilst the rest of the in. gang is focused on the task at hand. Yeah, because I think yeah. it's like the uh, Water Guild. You get a plus one bonus if the leader's alive, plus one if the if the water carrier's alive, and plus one if the marksman's alive. And then a bounty hunter adds an extra one to the captive role. In a Lore and Myth rule campaign, it's only target 11, with plus one for every enemy taken out of action. So you're at four, plus two, uh, 2d6, plus the number of people taken out of action to hit 11 and cash in that bounty. It adds up pretty quickly that way, oh, doesn't it? massively. So that could really change how players engage in such a campaign. Yeah, babies making bank. Yeah, so it's, it's very interesting because um, other gangs, yeah, sure, the other outlaws don't want to lose their guys, but they're not getting that sweet d6 times 10 incentive. They come across as a fun gang to play a powerful gang in their own right, um, really tanky, not as slow as you'd expect, quite impressive with the speed in comparison. The um, really chunky boys, so they can block off a corridor quite easily with a couple of them. But the lack of advancement, the lack of ability to hit the trading post, the restriction to being an outlaw if they're in a law misrule gang, it, it, it really kind of holds them back in certain areas which makes them on paper feel to me more like an arbitrator tool or a one-off kind of um experience i i think it could be really fun to play against it could be really fun to play but running in a campaign i think yeah you look to get like you, you've really got to be very lucky and very very kind of well organized are we suggesting then that this is another one of those gangs that's playing Necromunda on hard mode? Potentially, yeah. Um, actually, when we get into the stat lines, they're very big and fun to play, but you don't get quite as much progression as you might from a different gang. The flip side is that with a couple of boxes, you will always have all of the basic weapons you need for your gang. It's not a case of getting the starter box plus the Forge Ward upgrade kits plus some kit bashing at home for combi weapons. One bo- one or two boxes for the model count, and you're done. I was going to say, in theory, then, what you're going to get is the box with all of the weapons for a change, because all the other boxes, it's been a case of, well, they've got this selection, but in the book it says they can have all of this stuff, and none of it's in there. From the previews, it certainly looks that way, because they've got the spud jackers, they've got the augmented fists, and the I don't know if we've seen the welder yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, 
but we haven't seen everything. Maybe. So apart from potentially the basic hand weapons like an axe or the two-handed hammer, yeah, everything's on there and the rest can be quite easily converted from what there is instead of searching out and trying to figure out how you use a space marine bolter on a model that's twice the bulk. <laughs> yeah, with great difficulty, I imagine. Yeah, so it may be that it's a very easy access gang because you can literally open a box and play, but it can also be rewarding because you have a limited sandbox to play in you can heavily convert each one of your pit fighters to be that famous gladiator far more than like an all that's going to keep chris happy for a while (laughs) yeah you can make everyone an individual to stand out yeah you can really spend the time on them to make them a little bit more unique because yeah as you say you've not got kind of a 10 strong gang that you're trying to go oh i'm i'm stuck with three pauses trying to make them all look entirely different um with a you know I mean, the change of a head or an arm angle and um you know and if you aren't necessarily good with green stuff or plastic art or kit bashing it can be it can be a little more difficult and you're relying on paint or like i say turning a head one way as opposed to the other to suggest a completely different body whereas with these boys you can just go to town um what they're very, like we're saying about them being quite restrictive, like layout-wise and uh, loadout-wise, sorry, but they're very forgiving for a beginner in some senses because they are they do have such kind of staying power. Yeah, going into the actual stat lines and the fighter characteristics, um, although they are probably always going to be outnumbered, they will very rarely be outmatched on a one-to-one basis. Because like you said, they start at strength 5, toughness 5, 2 wounds, 2 attacks across the board. And the scary thing compared to Goliaths is, apart from the Lobo Ogrim, they're all movement 5. So they're faster than Goliaths. They're faster than... Well, I suppose that matches up with the the size of them, doesn't it, really? Oh, yeah, definitely. But if you think how roided out the Goliaths are, they're slowed down by it. And the Ogrims aren't, which is absolutely terrifying even down to the initiative values. They're four pluses, so they're as agile as the Goliaths are, but faster. I've got to say, I'm looking forward to an Ogryn versus Corpse Grinder match at some point. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, it could be tough. Obviously, a lot of damage to high AP weapons, so it could be and outnumbering with guns. But yeah, it could be very interesting stat line to see the overwhelming force versus the brick wall. Not quite unstoppable or immovable either side, but big numbers yeah so um since ogrins aren't a particularly diverse strain of abhumans there's no specialist champions like the stimmers and sadly there's no overeager or hyperactive ogrin dudes which would have been phenomenal <laughs> this is ugly bulky horribly proportioned ogrin abhuman running around I don't like the sound. That sounds gruesome, like a really lanky, gangly, ungainly teenage yeah. ogre. That's sounds... what I was... I, I, yeah. I, yeah. When I was reading it through, I was like, please, please have some kind of Jew. But no, they've got the Lobo. <laughs> but oh, just the character model for that would be fantastic. Maybe, no, maybe we'll get our uh, Persona <laughs> one coming. <laughs> oh, definitely. Conversions. Oh, make some Jews for the Lobo servitors who can't think for yeah. themselves yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, the base ganger comes in at that horrible stat line with 4 plus weapon skill, 5 plus ballistic skill for 90 credits. And that is twice as much as a Goliath ganger. But yeah. you're essentially paying for 1, 2, 3, 4 um, stat upgrades. 
because they're an extra attack. levels out a bit. Then. All of their models are two wounds. Start, two wounds at least. Yeah, yeah two leader. wounds at least. Yeah. Just just the base grunt. Uh-huh. So when you consider just how much you get put on your ass from auto gun fire and taken out before you can do anything, they've got to hit your toughness five and get through two wounds before rolling an injury dice. And we went to town last episode talking about how the uh, toughness five can just change the weapons paradigm of a campaign. You've got this across the board and the extra wounds while still moving faster than Goliath. Uh, so they do come with some restrictions. Like we said, because they are so dim-witted, they have a rule called limited learning capacity. This means that they can never be specialists. Now, it's not too much of a problem because they can't get special weapons, so you're not missing out on anything like that. Um, but it means that you can't then choose skills as you go. Ah, uh, so it's still random selection for everyone. Yeah, so it's still from the stat- ganger list because you can't start with a specialist and advance, choose your advances. But the trade-off is that they, whenever they get an advancement, if they roll a 2 or a 12, which would make them a specialist, you can choose any advancement from the list. Oh. Yeah, so you still get a bit of random progression, but every now and again when they would hit that turning point where they can think for themselves, they choose how they advance and then move on. That light bulb goes off in that very dimly lit brain <laughs> yeah. and they're suddenly like, oh, I understand this. And flickers. Another thing they get is um, they do start off with a skill in headbutt from the brawn tree. So because they are so big and bulky, they are quite easy at just smashing what's in front of them. Uh, and if I understand correctly, with headbutt, on that kind of stat line, that's uh, going to do some damage. Yeah, because um, the headbutt lets you make a basic action if you're standing and engaged, where you roll 2d6. If either hit the enemy toughness, they suffer a strength plus 2 damage 2 hit, which when you're a Goliath, that's an, a strength 7 damage 2 hit. Um, not green, sorry. But if you roll, if both of those dice roll lower than the opponent's toughness, you yourself suffer a strength a hit at your own strength damage one. So you smack mm. them with your forehead, and generally you're going to smash them down. But occasionally you might misjudge it and crack your nose. <laughs> yeah. But it's not the be all and end all because it's only damage one in your two wounds, so you can still suffer yeah. that migraine and last. Just shake it off and keep going. Yeah. Um. Which is quite cool, because if the opponent does steal your momentum and charge you on your turn when you probably survive, because you're toughness five and two wounds, you can make your attack back and then headbutt them afterwards. Nice. Yeah. And as we touched upon with the 40k references, uh, the base slave or green gangers get the loyal rule, where because they do form close bonds, they're not organized like the group activations, but base gangers are very loyal. So if they assist an ally in combat, they give a plus two bonus instead of plus one. Ooh. That's not going to be a good situation for us on the receiving end. Yeah, so if you've pulled it off with you've got two guys running in and they're hacking away at this strength five, toughness five monster, one of his little mates pops up, little being the operative word, mates, walks in, and suddenly he's getting plus two. Yeah. Which effectively gives him the outnumbering bonus on allies. It's it's really scary if you can push that, just two basic gangers egging each other on. And they start at weapon skill 4+, plus, so they're still fine as gangers go, but they're rocking 2 pluses. It's not bad. Yeah, so on their restricted weapons list, they have access to the two-handed axe and hammer. And normally it's purely a decorative choice because the weapon sucks. You're getting minus one to hit, but your strength goes up by one or two, and you're doing two or three damage per hit. 
normally you don't want to take that risk on a Gengar because you're hitting on fives and you're only paying off at strength five. But you stick that on an Ogryn and suddenly you've got strength six, seven, hitting damage two or three. And as long as he's got his loyal base Gengar to back him up, still hitting at ballistic weapon skill or higher. <laughs> yeah, yeah it certainly makes a lot of difference yeah. when it comes to that role, doesn't it? Stick that cumbersome hammer on a massive, on a guy big enough and suddenly it's paying dividends. And that's the basic guy rocking in at 90 credits. Yeah, when that pays off, that's basically whack-a-mole. That's, that's awesome. I would, yeah, I would <laughs> yeah so it's, it's massively different from when you consider, like, um, I think it comes in every upgrade pack. It's like the Orlocks have a two-handed hammer, and I know Cordor certainly do. But it's just not very good. But throwing a force no, it behind looks it... Cool. It looks yeah, cool. But, that's yeah, the unfortunate trade-off. So sometimes it's a placeholder until you can get a thunder hammer or a power hammer. But yeah, just a lump of rock on a stick and suddenly you're doing damage. Cool. Uh, so their alternate gang fighter loadout is the Lobo Servitor. Uh, Lobo Ogryn, I keep saying this. because This it's... is the one that we saw released where it's got like the robot head with the big lens. Yeah? Yep, that big one optic. Uh, that, as the name suggests, it's an Ogryn who has been surgically lobotomized. So he's a one step above a Jotun Servitor. Uh, they can't think for themselves. And as a result, their weapon skill and ballistic skill have decreased. Uh, so ballistic skill 6 plus. Oh, um, I need to check this if one of you could pull it up. I put weapon skill 4 plus for this, but I might be wrong. That's right. I think That's I've right, yeah. It's 4 plus. Yeah, it's 4 plus. Oh, yeah. Which is absolutely horrifying because they've not gone down in that regard anymore. And they are oh, slightly okay. slower in movement 4. They're the only Ogryn that's movement 4. But because of that, they gain. Um, Limited learning capacity, like the Ogryn. They can't be specialists. No massive hindrance. And slow-witted. Because they can't react quickly and think well, they can't be group activated. But that's not a huge problem because you've only got one fighter in your entire gang that can do that. Is that how the uh, the balance of it is? You can only have one of those per gang? Uh, no, only the leader can group activate. And he can only activate oh, right, one yeah, friend. Sorry, yeah. So you just don't put him in a hunting party with a Lobo, Lobo Ogryn. Yeah. The trade-off yeah. of being lobotomized. Yeah. Is you're really cool and you don't react fast enough to what's going on. So they can never be pinned from being shot. They also can't take cover as an action, but being hit by weapons won't pin them. They have an auto-pass nerves of steel. It's awesome, yeah. I think this is where we were talking about having them up on gantries and walkways, which are like just wide enough for them, but they're not going to fall off anytime soon, and nobody's getting past them either. Yeah, exactly. They're on a 40 mil base, so they are a brick wall entirely. You'd have to climb over or jump past through you know, the ledges and stuff, because you're not walking through them. But then it also opens up some crazy um, weapons options or tactics options, because they also have access to hazard suits, um, they can't be pinned, flamers do nothing to them. Blast weapons do nothing to them. They can't be pinned, so if you're pushed towards an edge, you're not going off. So all of this meta that's evolved around countering corpse grinders with blasts and templates do nothing on Lobo Ogrins. Yes, can they get um, falsehoods? No, they can't, can they? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Falsehoods oh, and a piece of equipment from the black market. So if Hang you really so want to get infiltrate those. a movement for a fighter, <laughs> you yeah, could. They can get equipment, you just can't get weapons. So they could still be pretty, pretty 
pretty Who's sneaky. Who's going to believe that? Them- like, um, thematically, though, who the hell's going to believe that? This hulking, great big guy standing there, like, looks like one of your mates. It's like, have you been, like, working out recently or something? <laughs> Looking up. It's like, uh, again, a pop culture reference. It's Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's yeah. moving so slowly, he's invisible. And you just don't notice this lumbering <laughs> because they're, yeah. they're everywhere. They're dumb pieces of scenery, except suddenly this one's the lights gone on in the optic and they're turned to you. Like that bit in Aliens where they're in the hive. <laughs> They've been there the whole time, you just didn't realise. Yeah. It's scary. Um, so then obviously they do have a ballistic... Um, Ogrins do have a ballistic skill, just no weapons. They do have access to grenades through war gear. There's some on the house right. list, but you can also buy them from the trading post and black market. So if you have some Ogrins with uh, incendiary charges behind a couple of screening Lobo Ogrins in hazard suits, you can freely throw these um, firebombs 15 inches, because they're strength 5, 15 yeah, inches over the heads of the Ogrins into the enemy. Sure, with ballistic skill 5, you're probably going to miss a lot of the time, but even if it scatters a full D6 inches into you, it's not going to hit you because you're 15 inches away. And if it hits the Ogrin who's been lobotomized, it's not going to pin them, it can't set them on fire, it's only strength free, so it's wounding on a five plus. And if it does wound, he's still got a second wound. So just it's, picture. It sounds the... like a, a tactic right there. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if it would ever pay off, but just the idea in my head of this Lobo walking slowly across a bridge with his mate laughing and throwing firebombs over his shoulder, accidentally misses, hits his mate. His mate doesn't notice. He's on fire. Yeah. Well, he's not on fire. He doesn't notice that he's <clears throat> been singed. Well, I'm assuming like any gang, they can still use tactics cards. Yeah, for they games, still use right? tactics cards. Obviously, all generic right. because they don't have their own pack. Well, there you go. Because there's certain tactics cards that allow, which are generic ones, which allow you to increase your movement. Uh, what is it? Ra- um, quick time. Yes. That one keeps your movement up as long as you don't roll the wrong number on the dice. And that can consistently be on it. So just stick that on the guy with four inch movement. He's now suddenly back up at, what, five or is it one inch it adds or two? But it's either five or six that he's at then, which puts him up at least with the others. So, yeah, that could work in theory, that whole plan. Yeah, another strange combination. Because they can get equipment, they can get all the fun stuff. So you can get a grapnel launcher. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) And you can have this unthinking muscle machine launching his grapnel launcher by rote, firing off 12 inches across the board and moving with it. Oh, yes, absolutely. And suddenly he's moved effectively three times. Although I think, again, thematically... That would have to be a, a a harpoon launcher that they've used. They're not using it as a weapon, but then using it as a grapnel launcher. Oh, God, just have a winch, basically, yeah, like an industrial winch that they use on cranes. Yeah, yeah just haulage. And you have that to is cool. Model it onto the augmentics if he has one, and just fire yeah, yeah. it. And it's such. Uh, a... I think you've just you've completely sold me on that. I I am totally doing that when I get this box set. Oh, you definitely should because. Uh, even with basic hand weapons, if you ignore all the awesome augmentics we'll have a look at later, the basic weapons add plus one strength and or knockback and or disarm. And he can't get pinned, so he's always going to charge. Yeah. So he can fire himself 12 inches across or up or down, which is a huge tactical array. Because don't forget, you don't need to worry about ladders. You just fling yourself across the other side of the walkway and land on top. Yeah. And then suddenly next turn, you can't get pinned, so you're going to charge at at <laughs> least three attacks at at least strength five. I'm sorry, I'm just picturing a back grin now. Don't kill me, man! I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favour. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm back grin. Back grin. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so you get Batgrin coming, like zipping across the board, and because oh cause, yeah, and you know why Batgrin works really well? He doesn't use guns. <laughs> yeah, that's entirely fine. It's, a, it's, his, it's his one rule: I won't use guns. So <laughs> yeah, Batman doesn't kill either, though, does he? <laughs> you know, well, I'll you just say punch that. him. <laughs> <laughs> If you watch those films and go, yeah, that guy's totally toast. It's like Captain America. It's like, yeah, he's just broken that guy's neck with his shield. Yeah, but he doesn't. Ch- he doesn't check for a pulse, so he doesn't know. <laughs> it's it's like. So anyway, we're, we're digressing now. So yeah, yeah <laughs> onwards from background. So yeah, background works really, really well because you can get equipment, and on that same little joke, you can use grenades. So you can use flashbangs and stun and grenades. Smoke. You can use smoke grenades, and you need smoke grenades because you don't have any guns. I am totally modelling this now, but sorry, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you don't have guns, so you can't move. If you get pinned, you can't charge. So you need that smoke grenade for the cover. But yeah. when you're lobbing at strength five, you're clearing in the room. So That's even true. on um, 3D terrain, you have a huge advantage at your feet. Cool. Yep. So it's worth noting that the uh, Lobo Argrims are cheaper at 70 credits. Whoa. And a little analogy I was looking at was comparing that to the Cutters in Corpse yeah. Grinders Cult. Um, because they're rocking at 40 credits, which are horribly undercosted anyway, and have the mask with terrifying, whereas this way we get an auto-pass uh, nerves of steel, but same movement, same weapon skill, plus one strength, plus mm. one toughness, plus one wound, plus one attack. And that's awesome. <laughs> so they're climbing the tree. Yeah, I'm liking the sound of these guys. The, the, and they've got cool little robot heads, which like just makes them even yeah, better. They are easily yeah. the best head on the sprue. That we've seen. That Absolutely. We've seen. Uh, so then the underboss, their champions, rocking at 110 credits. Um, and they're the same stat line, except they go up to three wounds. So bear in mind, the toughest guy so far was the Orlock leader at three wounds. Their champions have three wounds. And the strength, toughness, attacks, whilst the same movement. Uh, they're just super duper impressive. They have access to the skills of brawn and muscle as primaries with secondaries in combat, ferocity, and leadership. Nice. Yeah, so all the fun things of muscle that we saw before, you can do here quite freely. So you can do that gnaw to um, get the extra action. You can recover flesh wounds. And when you're toughness five, you can shrug off a lot of flesh wounds. Toughness for days. Yeah, so it's a huge payoff with those. And then the overboss is legitimately terrifying. Coming in at 145 credits, they are expensive. But they have three wounds and three attacks. Three attacks. Three attacks. So that, literally cool. the best traits of above and beyond a prime uh, Goliath, Escher leader, three attacks, and Orlok, three wound. Pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, little side note. I don't know if we brought it up last time, but the Goliath leader now has three attacks. I don't know if that has always been that way because I thought that the Escher leader uh, was the most at three. I'm fairly certain it hasn't always been that way. That's so, what I yeah. thought. So just a little, in- little tidbit there, how scary they yeah, actually have freebie, gotten. little war room freebie for everyone. Yeah, or a little <laughs> oversight more than anything. An admission of guilt. Shush! So, it was good with freebie. You've just made it look like we relaxed now. <laughs> well, I'm trying not to be a robot. That's an exclusive for Patreons. If you heard that and you're not a Patreon, just forget it. <laughs> <laughs> So back to knowing what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> three attacks, three wounds, toughness five, movement five is absolutely horrific because you can have that those is. distraction Lobo Ogrins Beast. in the first yeah. wave. You've then got the uh, movement five uh, slave Ogrins providing fog cover at 15 inches. 
and then you run in with that stat line. Uh, they throw the leadership skill tree onto the mix of brawn and muscle, and they have combat uh, and ferocity as backup. But I don't think you would ever use leadership for that monster. No, you'd be wasting really cool a grizzled uh, master slave who teaches the others with mentor. There's very little benefit because why would you ever overseer with that? Yeah, it'd be a waste, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely dreadful. Uh, we mentioned that they can get the augmetics, and one of the cool things is they've got the paired trait in paired augmetic fists. For seventy credits, they're a strength plus one, AP minus one, damage two, knockback weapon with paired. So with your three attacks on the charge, it doubles the attack trait. So three to six, plus one for charging. Plus one for additional close combat weapon. Oh, you then yeah. have eight, <laughs> eight weapon skill three plus strength six, AP minus two, damage two, knockback attacks. Whoa! And as we've said before, with pushing an opponent mm. and moving up, pushing the opponent, moving up on your five inch movement, you can then potentially move up to eight inches or slam a guy into a wall so hard that some of those eight attacks they're striking at D three. <laughs> Yeah, because the D the D two wasn't good enough, you know. Yeah, I mean? just <laughs> exploding a guy across a wall, basically. Hitting you with the planet is essentially what's happening at that point. Yeah, and I think you. Imagine... You know, when uh, Kevin was on, he was saying about painting on the board where people die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just getting the pot of like blood for the blood gold, throwing it up against one of the dark uprising walls. <laughs> An eight inch smear just, like, you know, across you know, the wall. Those, those shadows that you get when a nuclear blast goes off. Yeah. <laughs> But just with red. Someone was standing in the way. It's just an outline. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, that's scary when it's on a corpse grinder with a massive human-sized chainsaw. But this is a guy with metal fist just yeah. hitting yeah. and smashing across the board. And the thing to consider is they're on 40 mil bases, so you'll quite easily hit two people at once. That's crazy. And if they're you know foolishly holding an objective or something and you charge into them, sure, you're getting a minus one to hit, but then you're hitting on weapon skill four with eight attacks split between the two of them. Yeah. Complete side note, very quickly one. Um, can you use these in Venator games? No. Uh, Venators still have their own basic stat lines. Dang it. But there's no reason you couldn't <laughs> use the new Ogryn models uh, with yeah. the, I think it's the Goliath stat line. Oh, fair one then. Okay. Moving on then. Yeah, because that would circumnavigate all the weapon restrictions horrifically. Yeah. Uh, so some of the cool, uh, the cooler uh, augmentic weapons are the Arc Welder, which is horrific. 50 credits gives you strength plus 2, AP minus 3, damage 3, and blaze. Correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that also ridiculously dangerous to fire? Uh, no, because it's a melee weapon. Not the Storm Welder, oh. the Arc Welder. Oh, there we go. Right, yeah. okay. Uh, they do get the Storm Welder, and that's an augmentic, so that's the one exception to them having any type of guns on their list. Uh, mm. But if you stick that on a champion, obviously I, I would run all my leaders with paired augmentic fists, so you're getting the most of that three attacks. Yeah, yeah. But a, a champion running in with two attacks plus one for the charge, strength seven, AP three, minus three, damage three, blaze. That's going to make a mess of absolutely everything because it's wounding <laughs> yeah. any non-toughness four on a, on a two plus. That's really cool. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, so arc welders are pretty horrific and we've seen just how disruptive blaze can be. And sure, you're not getting it on a template weapon, but you're getting it on something that's rocking strength seven from the get-go. 
That's Strength gross. seven, man. So if they That's do crazy. somehow survive the damage three AP minus three attacks, they could be set on fire at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And the they've got a couple of order automatics, and the one I really like is the heavy rock cutter, which is horrific overkill. Yeah, uh, strength plus four, AP minus four, damage three, unwieldy. <laughs> so strength nine, yeah. strength nine, any, strength nine. Any oh. any toughness <laughs> four monster, which is an upgraded base ganger or a rookie Goliath. Hitting on a 2+, plus, mm. wounding on a 2+. plus. If it's a um, Toughness 5 Goliath or a rival um, Ogryn, it's only a 3+. plus. But you're getting through <laughs> nearly every armour in the game. Oh, that's beautiful. That is so cool. I mean, I like rock, cut, rock Cutters anyway. I think they're an awesome piece of kit. And very intimidating when you see them on the board. But <laughs> recently, with the models that we've been getting coming out, it's just like, no, this is just horrific. Oh, yeah. It's really, so really horrific. The right side of ridiculous. Yeah. And those are all automatics that you have to commit to when you recruit the fighter. Yeah. So you might go cheap at the start and then save up to recruit them. Or go heavy-handed at the start with a very small band of augmented and then they're recruiting fighting. more to the cause yeah because the flip side of the weapon list is the basic hand weapons you can buy as you go and they're so mm. much cheaper but just as valuable because even an axe uh like 10 credits plus one strength you're hitting strength six on two yeah. attacks base three on charge two of those you've got four attacks on the charge strength six God, do you remember the days of 2017 where, you know, we were rocking around with, like, strength three weapons and maybe, like, strength four? At a... <laughs> oh, my God, my Autogun's got three hits. Yeah, He's pinned. Right, he's right. not wounded, but he's pinned. <laughs> now it's, like, strength seven, strength eight, strength nine. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, just, just that on a Lobo Ogryn, eventually he's going to get into combat. You can't pin him, and he's going to hit for strength six. Yeah. And really then you cool, literally go up the line with a Spudjacker, adding knockback onto that. Or the yep. Brute Cleaver for minus AP yeah. and Disarm. And they're all so devastating because the Ogryn's so big. And then like we said, you start off with access to grenades. Uh, yep. They do have the heavy ones, so blasting charges and demo charges. So it's only strength times oh, two. But nice. even with those heavy ones, you're throwing 10 inches. A base gang yep. starts with range nine. Well out of the range, even if it comes back. Yeah. And then once you get access to the training post, a couple of good rolls, you've got frag grenades launching 15 inches, smoke grenades, the uh, incendiary charges, and then the black market stuff with um, insanity. It, it gets gross. Yeah. It's like the Falklands War, isn't it? Where our battleships could shoot like 20 miles and theirs could shoot 10. So we just parked up at 15 and just lobbed them and lobbed them and lobbed them. Yeah, parked up at 15 to be sporting. <laughs> yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah. going to be accurate, but God. Damn, it's going to hit hard wherever it lands. Yeah. Um, armor's light on the ground. It's in extremes. You can either get furnace plates and hazard suits or light carapace. If you want to go mesh, you've got to go shopping for it. But even yeah. the base ones work really well because you've got extra wounds. So if you want to go in naked for the first few games, save your credits. Yeah, or hazard suits. Yeah. You know, hazard suits are always those things where you're like, you like the benefit of them, but the armor that's provided by them isn't that great. And in a lot of gangs' cases, they don't really have the choice. So they're like, sod it, I just won't be on fire then. But in this instance, it's like, look at the ridiculously buffed body and the stats that I have to represent that. Let's just throw some fire protection on that. Yeah, yeah I think you're buying that for the uh, blaze protection. Don't worry yeah. about the armor save. If it put, if it stops an auto gun, fantastic. Yep. But don't rely on it. 
So like, it's a very small list, but because they're so good in melee already, if you can get them there, they're going to hit like a train. Yeah, I'm liking these guys. Yeah. So then a little. They sound like slightly, slightly fairer corpse grind. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely see where they've gone. Instead of all the tricks, let's give them something. And in this case, it's the stats to back it up instead of the yeah. protection and prevention. Yeah, yeah. So last little tidbit on campaigns and skirmishes. Obviously, a lot of their downfalls come from skirm- from campaign play. You give the opponent extra money for captives and you can't trading post. So in skirmishes, they'll be really strong. In one-off games where you don't have to worry, you can have loads of fun just throwing your massive monsters at the opponent and seeing what happens if you actually make contact. Yeah. So that's an awful lot of fun. Um, but then again, in campaign, you get the struggle of finding your independence and trying to survive in a world where no one cares about you and you can't use their tiny, tiny guns. That's true. <laughs> and people see you as a massive cash cow as well. Yeah. Um, so it's like in uprising campaigns, they rock because every gang is restricted to their own house list. There is no trading post. So don't worry That's about true. it. You've got all the gun, all the sticks you can pick up and you've either got cheap weapon, cheap armor at the start or massive armor at the end. You don't yeah. have to worry about the in-between because no one else is going to walk to the shop and pick up an armored undersuit, or, for example. Um, obviously, this will change wildly when the rest of the books come out and everyone has access to the full armories like um, Goliath do. Yeah. But it means that everyone's restricted and you don't have to worry about it quite as much. They will really, really suffer in law and misrule campaigns, though. Obviously, the, we've said how there's a lot of boons for lawful gangs to gain an advantage in taking captives, and then yeah. they'll gain increased yield from it. Um, yeah, that's not going to go down well. But Ogrins also don't gain a lot of the benefits that law, that other gangs do, because some of the rackets give you a access to weaponry you wouldn't normally have, like the cold trade and uh, Archaeotech auctioning lets you yeah. get weapons from different lists, like the Xenos or uh, the Imperial list. But the restrictions on uh, the Ogrins specifically state they may only be given additional hand weapons purchased from their lists. So you wouldn't hand be able to use from it. their lists. What about traits? I'm thinking like heretic kind of thing. Uh, traits you can bot on. That's completely fine. And you cool. can get. Uh, there's no That's restrictions right, on like who you can recruit to your cause. So you can still get the regular numbers of hangers on and brutes and stuff like that. But a lot of the different aspects that make a Laura and Miss Rolf campaign so much fun yeah. aren't received by the Ogrins. And some of them actually hurt them. Like uh, It puts a lot of emphasis on making alliances with the guilds or the mm. uh, criminal syndicates. One of them that would really help them are the factorial workers, where you get a whole bunch of hive scum with knockoff weapons um, that you can then buff out your numbers. So they'll go a long way to helping the small elite squads of Ogrins. Yeah. But the flip side of the factorial workers is that the opponent can hire a bounty hunter for free. Uh, and then, of course, you're back to that bonuses for getting captured again. Exactly. You? So say the opponent takes an, I don't know, infiltrating web gun bounty hunter. Ooh. Suddenly, yeah, sure, they're getting through strength five, but it bypasses the extra wo- uh, toughness five. But it bypasses the two to three wounds across the board. But then you get the added bonus of having webbed fighters benefit from a bounty hunter. And if anyone gets captured, there's that huge pay at the end because you're getting the basic cost of the expensive ganger plus the d6 times 10 runaway plus the chance of rolling on the bounty hunter to see if it's a wanted captive yeah no, we're definitely going to be getting a lot of ogreen leaders like trying to preach the benefits of the uh the web solvent oh, God, <laughs> that yeah. you can get 
<laughs> you need to use this so you don't get caught in the webs. <laughs> they can do some horrific things with grapnel launchers and fancy grenades, yeah. even the black market stuff. Like Franzon doesn't need exploiting. Uh, well, well, explaining, yeah. sorry, because it does so much damage. But you can do that. And it would be really cool That's to crazy. get a um, discounted Cyber Mastiff or a Grapple Hawk. Oh, yeah. And you have this big brute with his pet slabbering hound. With his little doggy. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Spark, yeah. the leader of the Rebellion, with his two lobotomized servitors and his two lobotomized Mastiffs. Yeah. And it's just his pets. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, they sound like such a characterful gang. I think um, for like an addendum to a, a gang list um, in House of Chains, they're fantastic. There's so much um, individuality and and potential. I I think uh, they're a definite must try. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting them. Um, I think I'm actually going to enjoy playing as those quite a lot. Yeah, I think that's definitely the outlook with them. They're not going to be corpse grinders or plasma vansar, but they will be really tough and scary in their own right for casual play. And I think you'll get a lot yeah. more enjoyment out of them going in with the mindset of getting into character and having your struggle uprising, trying to find your freedom in a place where everyone just mows you down than yeah. going out to kick everyone and take their milk money. And I also appreciate this, Jesse, because as I say, you've, you've given me my next big uh, conversion project that I need to be working <laughs> on now. Grin. Backgrin, it is going to happen. He's going to have little green stuff, pointy ears on the top of a cowl that he's going to have, and he's going to have a like, big cape, and then he's going to have like little spikes up the side of his augmented fists, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, I, I think the Sum City community look forward to seeing the end result of that. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're yeah, going to be absolutely definitely. great fun, and you will have some real stories of character when they pull off their heroic fights and then get kicked in by the enforcers. Yeah. <laughs> that's great, right, cool. well that's awesome I mean for a small list and a small gang it's certainly kept us kind of busy talking about them and um, it's definitely got me enthused before I just thought they were cool models you know I had a little flick through but you've really highlighted kind of some really fun ways to utilise them on the board so yeah, bring it on and uh, if you are out there and you're building your own uh, Slave Ogre and Gang, definitely share it on the community page um, and, and show us what you've got and, and let us know how you've got on with them. Absolutely. Massive and uh, thank you again, Jess Lee, for joining us for the War Room. You're very welcome. Yeah, legend, thanks very much, man. No problem. See you later, guys. Okay. Right, Take well, care. in which case then, uh, listeners, we have Becky Boom up next. Something like, in the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity and probably heresy and demons and shit. And it is also said that the opportunity for vengeance is a dish best served medium rare. Hmm, I am. Fairly certain that these kind of sayings get a little bit warped over time. But what I take 
from these words of wisdom is, if somebody done wronged you, you use the disruption of a broken safe zone to escape into the hive and track down the motherfuckers that thought it would be funny to make you open a box of bioengineered pasties and then beat them with a stick until they're sorry or passed out. That's why I am currently dressed as a delivery person and wearing this extremely tickly fake mustache. Oh, there's my prey now. In time to take them down. Hi there, I'm Barry Scott. And I am a delivery person with a package here for, um, James England. Is that you? I sure am. And for confirmation, could you just tell me, did you recently vote in a pantaloon supporter group for young and beautiful youth to open a can of thread needle worms. Yeah, that's me. Excellent. One last question before I let you have it. Uh, the package. Let you have the package. On a scale of yes to no, what would be your response to the following question? Would you black out like a bitch if hit from the side of the head with a brick in parcel paper. What? I'll take the answer box then, shall I? At least I can take this dumb mustache off now. What you can find left unattended when peoples are supposed to be in isolation. And how easy it is to wheel an unconscious body around the streets of some city harbor with nobody around to notice. Now, as y'all might recall, I have procured some enforcer issue items to test for this bestest battle gear. Mostly. Those would be the magnacles holding you to that little chair. The magnacles too tight? No. Oh, that's good. So you still have the feeling on your little handies? Oh, I'm so pleased. Oh, look at these lovely hands. They're so unscarred. No cancers. You have been super careful to keep your little fingers in this good shape. 
Let's look at this one. This little piggy went to the black market. And this little piggy stayed in this hovel. Cause being sensible about social distancing. And then this little piggy has some cobstars. No, 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 no. Isn't that nice, Mr. Piggy? Yes, it is. And... This little piggy said piggy to get again of that little worm! Don't think you can black out. Stay with me now. That's it. Who's a good little piggy? Hey, don't close them eyes. You look at me. Are you look at me? Now, don't you worry. I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna teach y'all a lesson. And by teach you a lesson, I mean hurt you really really bad like one of those bad items like when you come to tied to a chair in a warehouse and are tortured by a beautiful young chief who may or may not have thick and desirable thighs and a booty like that yeah, that kind of bad. <laughs> I'll send a message to the other pantaloon supporters that I am not to be trifled with. I'm a girl of my word. <laughs> Let's put on a little mood music now, shall we?
as such, they are used for crowd control and encouraging workers or criminals. Surrounded in an electrical energy field, which can be adjusted to bash a hole through a wall, or merely administer a super ouchy knockout blow to subdue the dumbass on the wrong side of it. Ah. Luckily for Jamie Boy, it's set on one of the lowest settings. Ah. Well, maybe not the lowest setting. The electrical energy that is charged can cause severe burns on the impact and disrupt our nervous system, resulting in partial paralysis, memory loss, and pissing and all shit in your pants. As demonstrated by my assistant. <laughs> It can, of course, be used as a straightforward blunt club, too. Especially effective when used on the face! On a toes! But my personal favorite, Maximum, is safe setting. Into the groin. <laughs> oh well. You're listening to the only station for ancient Terran meme songs. Meme FM. Apparently that was enough time at the hotel torture for Mr. England, as they just gone down checked out on a journey to sleepy time. I'd better go dump them outside their home once the lights go on standby for the night. I consider this a key worker role. Hopefully, we can get back to business as normal next time we meet listeners. Play the outro! I know you're gonna dig this. You're listening to Sump City Radio. Okay, listeners, welcome back to the studio. Um, Chris, I'm, I'm gonna have to sort of question this one. How close to the line are we getting with allowing this type of thing to be aired? Because <laughs> I think we're, we're pushing the envelope a little bit here when we start getting our uh, show associates reenacting Reservoir Dogs with our Patreons. I'm not sure that particularly sells us well. I mean, I think you kind of get what you ask for, in my opinion, you know? <laughs> you fuck yeah, with Betty, Betty so. you. 
and uh, condolences to <laughs> James England's family if he doesn't pull through on this one. Yeah, <laughs> at least it wasn't brother. the virus that got him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, mind you, that said, just to a couple of uh, electrical burns and a change of underwear, and hopefully it'll be okay. <laughs> That's it. Hopefully, oh, um, something in the next section will be useful to him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, hopefully. Well, whoa, whoa, on either part that we're going to cover, hopefully something will be useful. <laughs> Okay, speaking of which, what are we doing, Chris? Right, okay, um, next section is shoot the shit. Sir, there's shit on the horizon. Then what are you doing, man? Shoot it! It's time to shoot the shit. Okay, guys, um, right, we have a very special shoot the shit for you this episode. We have a guest in the studio with us, um, <laughs> Mr. Carl Johnson. Hi, Carl. Howdy. Um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with Carl's work, um, who are members of the group or who already follow him on Instagram or um, have seen his work across Facebook. Um, now, we've got Carl in because um, he's doing something very special at the moment with his own homebrew supplement, um, which ties in nicely with the theme of supplements, because we will also be having a little chat about the new resurrection packages that were recently released in The White Dwarf. So um, they follow on in the same vein as Book of Peril, Book of Judgment and Book of Ruin in that they add extra bits of um, game mechanics that you can stick into your game or, or chop and change and put in little bits and, and take out little bits, whatever suits your game. So uh, now Carl, I, I met Carl over Instagram. I was obviously blown away by his artwork, um, which is, uh, I'm sure everyone will agree, reminiscent of early source book art, um, but still very much his own take on Necromunda. Each drawn looks like the page of an adventurous and curious biologist that's painstakingly recreated um, his discoveries in ink. It's it's really, really atmospheric and, and dramatic. Um, Carl's work is genuine grimdark, but with a vein of sartorial humour running through each piece, and that reminds me very much of early rogue trader work. Um, of our show as well. <laughs> very much so, uh, while still managing, obviously, to be its own unique style. Um, in fact... I was so taken aback by his work that I asked him to represent one of uh, the Unkindness, my Cordor gang. Um, and you can see that still as the profile picture on my Instagram account. Um, and since meeting him, uh, albeit digitally, um, it's been awesome to watch his portfolio grow, the, the things he shared on the page, the things he, he shares on his own account. Um, and even more amazing to have him as one of the incredibly talented artists that make up the Sum City Radio community. And we've got a few, so he, he's, he's just he's in great company there with with some of the 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 legends that we have going on in there at the moment. Uh, he's actually created a, a drive full of posters um, for bringing each um, member's hive to life, and they can just download them and print them out and stick them in there. And you've got the likes of propaganda, advertising, graffiti. Um, hazard signs, literally anything you can think of that would be stuck to a wall, that man's drawn it. Um, and his latest creation has been a bit like a Necromundan David Attenborough. He's been documenting the various flora and fauna of Necromunda, um, at great personal risk, I might add, in his upcoming journal uh, or supplement uh, titled The Book of Life, which is somewhat ironic, given that the majority of things catalogued within its pages can and probably will kill you. However, as anyone who plays Necromunda knows, fortune favours the bold, and uh, 
I don't know what happened to my voice there. However, as anyone who plays Necromunda knows, fortune favours the bold, and this is represented by the many rewards that might be claimed by those players brave or foolish enough to risk their lives in hunting, foraging, or even farming these deadly bioforms. So, Carl, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the hobby. Oh, can dude. Um, well, to start with, I think I need to adjust my headphones. My head feels a bit swollen after that epic intro. To yeah, be sorry, we can't help you with that though. But we need to maintain this whole social distancing thing. That's why you're on the other side of the studio. At this <laughs> You've got the dodgy set of headphones. <laughs> yeah, I think so... the last person who used those was Klaus. Oh, lovely. Oh, I, don't... <laughs> I thought they were a bit sticky, to be honest, but never mind. <laughs> That'd be the coming in your ears. Ah, awesome. <laughs> I thought it was just the fact that I had my balls in my hand, but never mind. Oh. <laughs> I did. I just assumed that was a custom from your uh, your dorm, basically. Oh, I didn't yes, want to say anything. This is how we greet each other. It is. <laughs> Screw tapping elbows, mate. <laughs> right, yeah, so um, I've uh, always been into art, to be honest, and uh, I kind of let that slip for a long time, and... Playing Necromunda has really revived something in me, and uh, I just uh, took a few of my different passions and wanted to kind of meld them together. Um, and this is really the outcome: um, a lot of scribbling on napkins, essentially. And yeah, I can't believe really the feedback I've got from the community um, bringing this all together, and it's really just fed into my passion and uh, become a little bit of a, a habit to try and create all this crazy crap for everybody and um hopefully inspire some people with bringing back some some of the old and gold shit um from the original necromunda as well oh definitely um you've you've definitely <laughs> inspired that within me i saw i saw some of the uh the items in the preview material that you sent us and i'm like yes that's from the old necromunda <laughs> like wireweed for example that's even in like the what was it the book that's got mad donna in it from the old school uh, necromunda novels so yeah it's just really nice to see that coming back yeah in. sadly i missed some of this uh stuff growing up even though i've like collected 40k since i was little i didn't really get um any time with the original necromunda it totally passed me by so this has been really cool researching it and seeing some of this old stuff and using trying to put my spin on it um that's such, update such an interesting and... angle to come at it from that where you've not played the original and now you're sort of going back retrospectively to look at all the original material yeah it's been fascinating to be honest and um it really gets a mind's eye into the designers to see what they're doing now and to see where that came from without any bias myself with any rose-tinted glasses uh seeing that stuff so yeah, yeah. it's been it's been cool i think that's one of my um one of the strongest things about the way you've approached it is there's obvious obvious nods and you've obviously done a bit of research um regarding kind of the old um the, the plants and the animals that you'd find in in necromunda but they're not they're not just transferred verbatim the you've really kind of given it you've you've given it the modern twist to using modern gameplay mechanics to incorporate that um and I just find that really exciting. And I really love the plug-and-play style of each thing that I've seen. Again, um, Stephen and I have been lucky enough to see a preview, listeners. So um, we, we've had uh, poured over some of this amazing artwork and and, um, and the text alongside it as well. It's not just the artwork. He's really kind of gone to town describing each kind of um, each specimen in detail and then kind of giving the gameplay mechanics behind it um and it's yeah it's just been i like the fact that you could just have one walkway 
on your board that has the wireweed or some kind of exploding fungus or clams you know i won't give too much away because i really want people to discover these things for the first time um but yeah i love the fact that you could just do that in a localized area of the board you know or, or you could say the whole board's affected by it whether you want to represent that with a miniature or... that's a that's a harsh arbitrator that does that <laughs> mate that's, that's, that's oh, bad yeah yeah pretty bad but do you know what i mean it, it's that kind of flexibility again and and it's like should we chuck some crazy plants in for a laugh should we chuck some creatures in for a laugh and and see what happens and it just it's that ability to, to mix it up that yeah that, I, I think uh that's um that is yeah that is really one of the things i wanted to achieve i know what it's like when even using official rules when there's something you've asked uh, source materials necromunda when you're trying to take to your friends or your gaming group and be like oh let, let check this out should we try this out you know like getting everybody on board it's not really uh say fair or approachable when you're suddenly like yeah we're going to play this whole new game system so i really wanted it to be like you, you put the nail on the head there plug and play where you could just take a little bit and be like oh i like this we'll throw this in as a bit of spice it just helps arbitration and and people hopefully i wanted to make people feel um they could get creative and just mess around and hopefully you know that they'll use some of my ideas but it'll also make them create their own ideas uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll twist and change bits that i've done and, and hopefully inspire them or make them feel more confident to use their own things too and together they can create their own missions and boards and things like that to have a mixture of official fan created and personally created stories and elements in them um yeah to be honest i think that'll be um that'd be really rewarding to see i've, I've already been loving to see the posters that people have been putting up that i've drawn so i can't i can't wait to see if people actually bother to make miniatures really cool. representing of some of these things and stuff like that it'll be uh yeah it'll blow me away no absolutely so uh carl with regards to the the artwork um is every piece in the book something that you've hand drawn and, and scanned into the computer or is it there a, a mix of digital and hand drawn so um what i actually do is i use a uh, dip pen and ink so like a like an old style calligraphy pen oh, wow. um so it's, it's something that i used to do when i was in university i used to do like satirical political illustrations uh and i was a big fan of it for a long time um and a lot of my friends were and it was it's something i just kind of let die which is a bit of a shame and um a little while ago i caught up with something called inktober which is uh oh a, yeah 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 uh a, like a little social media exercise essentially where you, you get a, a brief and each day in october you draw an ink sketch uh most people nowadays obviously they they use tradition uh, like less traditional medias they use like pens but um there are still quite a few like i suppose hardcores if you like that do use dip pens and it, and it really inspired me to get them back out and i went to the local art supply shop and, and bought a couple of cheapy pens um and yeah i cracked out some dusty ink pots that i had in the attic and yeah got away <laughs> with it and i thought you know what i'm i'm just gonna do this on necromunda i'm, I'm actually not gonna take their brief uh at verbatim i'm, I'm gonna twist every single one of the words briefs into necromunda and it was that original set of of drawings that set me on this kind of gateway if you like onto producing the the, the posters and the in-world imagery and then eventually being like you know what? i've always wanted to make a game supplement screw it i'm just gonna do it um so yeah the, the majority of the drawings are um a dip pen uh, it's all line work done like that Wow. Sometimes I do sketch out in pencil first and then put the line work over the top and then rub it out. Uh, then I take a paintbrush and I just dilute the inks with a bit of water and then I shade them roughly uh, that way. If you go onto one of my Instagram profiles, uh, the one that's dedicated just to art, um, you can actually see the original sketches. I've, I post them up as well as the finished pieces. But oh, nice. the, the finished pieces are post-processed. So I take a photo of them um, 
and I put them through a little digital process just to homogenize the color palette slightly yeah, and yeah. put a, a, a crackled filter over the top. It's pretty crude. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of tech for that kind of thing, unfortunately, but I just want them to have that homogenized finished so that on my Instagram and when using them in the supplement, they, they all have that feel. Um, and I can add the text in that kind of gives them that kind of um, narrative feel to them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's as, as Chris said earlier on, it's that feeling of an explorer who is documenting the underhive. And this kind of thing in other fiction uh, comes up quite often, like, like ye olde movies where they're exploring Af- deepest, darkest Africa or something, and it's like nobody's been here before. It's all like 1940s or 30s or that kind, you know, that kind of thing. And they're just out there adventuring, and you've got that one guy who's like probably wearing the weird hat that you get when yeah, they go on hat. safari and he's there with his little sketchbook like drawing the plants and the and that's just the vibe that you instantly get from this but obviously with a much darker and dangerous <laughs> underhive setting and, and the artwork is absolutely beautiful and the, and the fact that you're using materials to create the art in a way that probably would be done in that kind of setting as well, I think just adds to it even more. So it gives it, it a real really cool. sense of authenticity, doesn't it? It's, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, speaking of your Instagram, though, Carl, what is the name of that Instagram for that artwork? Because I'm sure the listeners would like to know, and I'm definitely going to sign up to it as soon as I can. Yeah, it is um, art.atm. Um, if you go onto my my main Instagram, um, it is in it's in my bio. Um, I've got the my different Instagram accounts all linked together there. Cool. Well, I will definitely be sorting that out once we're in the break. So, um, oh yeah, I'll make sure I'll I'll, I'll, I'll comment on that, and um, I'll I'll probably start adding a bit more personal stuff into some of my work like that, um, like the supplement and that. I'll I'll put on some some emails and some other Instagram information that's so people can get in contact with me if they want to and ask questions or requests and things and, like that. And uh, take uh, commissions, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, got, uh, I got I actually got a commission off of all this uh, the other day. So uh, that was uh, that was amazing, to be awesome. fair. Because um, yeah, that's inspiring. what we like to hear, artists getting paid for their work. Yes, all the way Because from... Chris totally paid you for the one you did of his, right? He did. You know, it was a bit <laughs> salty, and I don't think I asked for it, and some people might have called it abuse, but it I It was all mind. in the eyes. Come on, I recognise those eyes <laughs> <laughs> but um carl something else i wanted to ask is uh, again having looked through all the preview material that you've given us um a short while ago i was having a conversation with cannabella on this one about the various types of plants that you get in the underhive because obviously she uses a wild and wacky variety of them for what she does with her cooking but um i was sitting there not believing some of the names that she was coming out with for things and that made me think here with the fauna and flora that you're putting into this book how much of it is pulled directly from original sources and how much of it sort of percentage wise would you say is like completely created off of your own back um I, I, it's probably actually sadly i'd say in this respect because i'd have loved to have taken more from the the official narrative and expanded on it majority Mm. is actually made up um well that's not a problem as i see it because if you look online for necromunda flora and fauna there isn't actually that much to pick up on no not that i could find and uh, i've been very lucky that this has inspired a few people in the community to reach out to me and i've had a couple of people as well give me um little lists of beasteries and other works that they'd done that they wanted to try and help me create this oh, that's awesome it's been so touching to be honest to get the like just people out of nowhere that i didn't even recognize just saying thank you 
for doing this and sending their other their own work to try and help it's it's been really cool so there's a couple of unique ones that a few people have made themselves that i i want to see if i can get the time i don't know if i will have the time but i want to see if i get the time to add their their creations into this supplement as well um so yeah it's 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 been quite exciting in that respect um trying to add these kind of bits in i've always made up kind of and uh, done fanfic well i say fanfic it's not really fanfic it's just fantasy and sci-fi writings and nonsense like that so um you know having a setting to play in is um you know a, a writer's dream i suppose because it's um you know it's much easier in that respect than creating everything entirely from scratch and let your imagination go wild quite quickly i love the fact that necromunda exists as a kind of a skeleton a structure for other people to hang their own imagination from and create the uh, the meat and uh, flesh to wrap around that i like if i'm playing a video game i prefer to play a blank canvas that i create as opposed to um going in with a named character because i feel like there's a there's a disjoint a disconnection from that and it's much the same way that i like to play necromunda that i know there's certain kind of structures there and as long as i give them a little bit of a nod and, and i'm respectful of that I can run off in any direction. It's like when people say, well, is there any of this in Necromunda? It's like, well, of course there is. You you just thought of it. Yeah. That's all it takes is can you write a little bit, can you write some rules for it? Can you justify it in a, in a, a story sense? Then go for it. Yeah, great. It's your game. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, and that's, that's why, I, I mean, I, I certainly, I wouldn't use the word unfortunately when you started that last <laughs> uh that description of the work the fact that it comes from your imagination and other people's imagination makes it all the more interesting and exciting for me personally fantastic thank you um yeah there's there's one other facet that i try to do when creating this and that's um i try to think a little bit um about the people that will be reading it and and hopefully that they can create these things themselves you know um with like i give i give three examples um of the just plants you know um so games workshop make a little set of ferns um that you can buy to stick on your terrain um nail art beads are used in the in the hobby to make rivets um and obviously we all have modeling clay and like uh green stuff so i i've tried to think of available items like that and could add a story to them so for instance i've got a plant called flagweed which is a actual is actually a cyanobacteria and cyanobacteria they grow as sheets or films so oh yeah um, i was reading about that one uh, i i felt that was a very easy way for even inexperienced hobbyists to create cool alien plants out of say something like green stuff or milliper or even you know uh tissue paper with pva and hang it over surfaces and paint it a funky color and then they've, they've got a little story they can add in and it fits into real world biology coming from a, a chemistry and biology background myself it's it's been nice to draw on some of these these little bits of um, biology and add them into a necromunda setting even though it's completely xenos um i like the idea that we'd have taken our our earthbound knowledge that we had and then just started labeling other things as well regardless of exactly how well they fit because that's essentially how we did it on earth anyway uh, and then went back and worried about how correct it was afterwards um with the nail light beads um they're like little spheres so by piling them up you can create what looks like a whole little field of, of mushroom heads so that's a very quick and easy way for people to apply them instead of neat roses rivets you can put them in a big pile and then you've, you've got this whole like mass of of like you know shiny looking fungus 
uh, and as the Games Workshop ferns, they you know they provided this kit, but they they left it very open. I haven't seen any actual uh, info on, on what they consider these particular species of plants are. Um, so you know, I added one in called Phosphern, which is a, a phosphorescent fern. You know, one that, that you know a, a common fancy trope, one that glows in the dark. But then I added a necromunda twist by saying that it absorbs uh radiation uh in the form of drawing up radium uh and then that radium reacts with the phosphorus in the plant and creates a glow just like you would get in a phosphorescent paint that's the chemistry of how that functions so um yeah it's 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 it's, it's, for me it's about trying to think of those narratives that are both scientifically sound in a way even if it's a little bit pseudosciencey um fits within necromunda and fits with hobbyists being able to make it uh make it work for them on the tabletop it seems like generally it's all very well thought out. Thank you. Yeah, I can't speak for other hobbyists, but um, definitely when I was looking through the samples that you sent us, already I'm thinking of how I can do like um, trails of plant life that clip onto the bulkhead. Um, because when you stack bulkheads up on top of each other, you're left with kind of a, a, a connection point at the top. And a lot of people cut those off to because the, the, I like them there to be able to connect things to. But I've been thinking about how I can actually click things to those so that I've got like um, vines and stuff hanging down. Um, how I could um, model stuff that fits over the top of balconies and um, and uh, walkways. So and then it's like, oh, you know, what's going to make people want to go through that that hazardous kind of plant life? Um, well, I'll put something really important at the end of it. And the awesome. only way across is that one walkway that's yeah. got this stuff. So, yeah, the, it's it's a it's such a, a fertile kind of um, source book that I'm really excited. And as Stephen said, the idea that there's there's not really that many kind of pre-made um, plants and stuff. Because when we've kind of been talking to Cannabella about the different breeds of um, plant, uh, we obviously were very limited in what we could come up with. And a lot of that was from the Book of Pearl. And you've got like a single page of different plant lives and their effects. And this just takes that kind of baton and fucks off with it, basically. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, really, really impressive, man. Yeah, I think I've got a current list of 25 plants um, that I, I've, I've added in um, with potentially more, but I I worry about it running away with itself. It's totally already run away with itself. It was supposed to be out like a month ago, I feel, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I probably promised about eight times to different people. Yeah, no worries. You'll have it in hand by a few days, but, you know. Life happens, I suppose. Oh, absolutely. Got the, got the uh, too much gene then. So oh, <laughs> it's case of, I'm going to keep working on it and keep working on it. And I, can't, I can't tell when I need to stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> one question I did have. Uh, I noticed um, some drawings of the uh, Urgles um, yep. and, and an Amble. Um, so that's a really nice way of bringing different models from other systems in. Um, and I know um, there, was, there was kind of an, an Amble versus Ambot scenario written. Um, are there any little surprises in the book that we might see that bring other models in? I mean, obviously you've described the way that you wanted to bring the the, the plant life that uh, the ferns that JW released. Are there, is there anything else we could look forward yeah, totally. to? Yeah, totally. Don't have to name it if you don't no, want. No, no worries. I just... um, yeah, I, I I wanted to do that exactly the same way as with the plants. The plants was much more nebulous. The models was was much more straightforward. So I took yeah. that exact same approach where I looked across GW's range and was like, well, what is available? Um, you know, and there's there's loads of things from the little bugs and stuff that they released with the uh the rogue trader set um 
to uh you know just general xenocides that you know we have and we know canonically fit within necromunda um you know i've from the the little knowledge i had already i knew that there had been uh like orc outbreaks on necromunda mm-hmm. uh, uh, back in the day um so I, I i tried to write um a small bit of narrative that explained how these could still exist yet allow necromunda to function without massive orc outbreaks i hope i've done that tastefully and maybe allow people to to have um scenarios where they actually have um little orc like you know encounters in a, in a mission um so yeah there's um there's a few little bits in that that i hope um will be will please people that they that you know that maybe they can reach into their their miniatures drawer and, and drag a few other models out to have a play with or uh... oh, that's really cool man um when you were making it as any kind of creative or artist finds that there's always something that they they love the most it's like in any gang there's a model you love more than all the others in any terrain there's a little section that you're really proud of is there anything in it that you just you it was like the most enjoyable part of the book for you gosh that's that's actually a really interesting and difficult question um superficially the the drawing i did of the amble is probably um one of my most favorites when i look back through the book continuously because it's the first drawing i did for inktober so it's the it's the one that reminds me that from that drawing i have like the other 50 pages created and more to come so that's um you know that's always like, like kind representative of... of that prometheus yes. spark almost. yeah totally yeah. yeah um and the other one uh that i ended up using for i don't really have a front cover as such for the book but i i used like a, a similar style to the inside contents page that um gww is to create a a front cover as such i don't know if i'll do a, a full color front cover like on the GW books, but yeah, at the moment it's just it's just some mushrooms, and I just I like how how simple the piece is, and I think that is something that a lot of people want from 40k. They want to see what the everyday person does, you know what what goes on behind the scenes, and I think that's why settings like Necrobunda have been so appealing to people because they they break down and make more granular the crazy epic galaxy-spanning battles of the uh, Astartes and things like that, down to this much more humble, grimy, day-to-day living of, you know, the Imperial Hive worlds and things like that. And I've wanted to add a depth to that with this. So, yeah, that things like the pictures of mushrooms and that have really, really pleased me, to be honest. Um, Oh, the way they're just kind of grown off the pipes and, yeah, just... The almost the kind of the the mundane banality of it. Absolutely, that makes yeah. That's the world it. real. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. the yeah. It, it adds that tangibility to it, that kind of relatability that you have uh, when seeing it. Um, yeah. So I I I really like that uh, kind of thing that I've I've done in the book. Um, so yeah, that's 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 been it's been pretty pleasing to be honest to um to to come back to these things. Right. Um. And if I can flip that question on its head. Um, yeah. Did you come across anything when you started it? You thought, right, I've got to do this. It, it, it's quite essential, but I'm not particularly looking forward to it. And then found yourself enjoying it a lot more than you expected. Um, yes, definitely. So um, I have a, a limited grasp, shall we say, of um, writing things down and then being legible. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I've... 
was concerned that you know i would i would have issues writing out uh, a, a lot of this and um certainly and I, I i apologize i have done my best to proofread some of this and there will be errors um at this point i feel that with a gw publication errors are canonical um <laughs> so that's my excuse you know uh i certainly not not just uh turning you know putting my hands up because of that but yeah that 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 is um that has turned itself on its head though like you said i i, I now actually have been really really enjoying um all of the creative writing aspects of it and um hopefully it'll uh uh, it will make me improve on some of those uh, things that I've struggled with since I was little, um, you know. So that's uh, that's that's good and a good bit of self improvement at the same time. That's awesome, man! Great answer. Um, right, okay. Uh, not wanting to give too much away, obviously. Um, me and Stephen, we, we've had some sneak peeks, and obviously yep, the yep. community at Hall has seen the odd kind of preview. Yeah. Um. Where will we be able to get hold of this once you've um, completed your masterpiece? So, um, considering you've been so epically supportive um, with me, I'd, I'd really like to open up the first section of the book alongside the release of the podcast. Um, so, um, no pressure yeah. on me to finish the editing now. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm I, that, with the like, you know, no end in sight mentality that I have with this. Essentially, the point when you say oh, I finished the editing is the point where I go, oh, okay, well, I'll delete that half finished page. This is the amount that's done. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not too concerned there. Uh, I just want to make sure something actually gets out and sees the light of day in the near future. Um, I. With the kind of thing that it is, it is quite granular. You know, initially I didn't want to release something half finished, but it doesn't overly matter. Um, I can release the beastery uh, on the Sump City Radio community page, and it will be um, available to download um, off of my Google Drive. Uh, and I do have mind to create a website to support um, the supplements and other. Uh, media like this going forward that hopefully will be a bit easier for everybody to access because there's been some some issues shall I say with with Google Drive that I just I've taken to quite a few different people that I know and I can't seem to see why some people on, on some devices are having issues with that and I'm, um, but yeah there yeah, we are. so having straightforward download links might be better than the Google Drive. Yes, absolutely. I really wanted this open source thing that anyone could access. And I thought, oh, Google Drive, this is going to be ideal for this. But it's turned out to, to not be the truth, sadly. So yeah. um, I, I might just look into seeing how much a website would cost me to, to host um, and then and then go that down that route, to be honest. That's cool. sweet, man. Look, I mean, I think I speak for the both of us, Stephen, when I say obviously we're really privileged and honoured to have... Um, that first half of his work dropped on the Sum City page. Um, obviously, we'll drop a link um, when we do put the post out for the, the this episode. Um, and I just hope that loads and loads of people get hold of it. We'll just keep sharing it around as many groups as we can because we think it's a genuine, you know what I mean, passion piece and, and something that we'll certainly be using. So thanks man yeah absolutely. yeah no thank you and uh make sure to make a note on each one what's edible and what isn't because i mean whilst i'm sure cannabella already knows that certain people like myself don't necessarily know that. <laughs> so it might in some way link if you see what i'm getting at. <laughs> so i might like to know that kind of thing yeah yeah there's definitely uh, a few little bits of information there but you know i think experimentation is uh is, is good and healthy as healthy test, as test, having test savage diarrhea. <laughs> you know? springs to mind. Yeah, you know, you've got the odd juve or prospect lying around. Send them in first. It's fine, isn't yeah. it? You know. So. <laughs> cool. Oh, that's right. Awesome, well, man. in which case, then available 
partly as soon as we get this episode out it seems <laughs> um, just bring that on you all thank you very much but as for uh world expanding uh texts that have been put out we've also got the uh bit from white dwarf to talk about haven't we mm. so the um the resurrection packages dun 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 Dum, dum, dum. Now, nowhere near as expansive as your own work, um, Carl, but uh, really surprisingly um, cool and in-depth and um, like a six-page spread of eight different ways of bringing your leader or champ back from the dead. Um, it's an arbitrator controlled mechanic um, for gangs to be able to beg their arbitrator for it, which I quite like the idea of. <laughs> it's like, please let me bring my leader back. Um, really story based, and they add another layer to the like the the lore of your gang and your gang's story going through a campaign. Um, and how fitting that the um, the resurrection rules are dropped at Easter. I don't know if that was um, <laughs> that was. A... You know, I hadn't thought about it. It didn't <laughs> cross my mind either. That's hilarious. There was, there's no messianic um, option within the eight, but uh, yeah, it's a definite. Uh, I was like, uh? <laughs> so thoughts, guys. Uh, we will uh, we'll have a quick kind of um, talk about the different methods that are there. But yeah, how how did you feel about them when you saw them and and, and after reading them, what's your thoughts? Well, it might be contentious, but I think more is more. To be honest, like really, yeah. um, you don't. It's not a competitive game. You don't. If you don't like it, you don't have to use it. That's one of these like horrible phrases gets thrown around. But I, to be honest, I think in Necromunda it it is quite applicable. Um, it's it's not going to do any real harm. It's fully arbitrary controlled, like you said. So if if it sits and fits within the narrative, then do it. And I think it it, it officializes what probably quite a few people homebrew already. You know, I know with my partner playing she gets very fond of certain gangers and when they die she is like literally <laughs> like no you know yeah. she's totally uh invested and then you in have them. to spuriously make up some way to bring them back Absolutely, without making it? it seem like you're pandering yeah. <laughs> whereas this just kind of sorts that in a way you know you can you can have an extended campaign where you don't fall short or you can like i played a, a campaign with my partner where my gang leader died in the first volley of the first battle you yeah. know a way to spoil a campaign by losing your leader like that so it could have completely changed the campaign if i could have brought him back as a, an archaeotech rebirth and um, had him strapped with mecha tendrils and that and narr- that would have you know shaped the narrative of the campaign so i, I don't think yeah. it's, a, it's a bad thing to be honest but yeah off the back of what you've just said there carl i, I completely agree it more is more in this case and it is nice to have these official extensions as you as you quite rightly pointed out people have probably been already doing this thing as uh, homebrew rules but just having it official it just makes it that much nicer i think because then you know that everybody's got the option to do it and it's not just you in your little corner of necromunda making this stuff up and then it's the people in your gaming group which are following it it's everyone who's doing this now or the at least has the ability to do it and that's what i really like about it so any supplements like this that come out in white dwarf absolutely 100 percent some city approved in my opinion you know so i love this kind of thing um looking at the individual ones there's there's one in particular that really stands out for me though as a personal favorite and it's the revenant one 
because that just arcans back so much to things like the crow and various other you know stories that are out there already that that revenge from beyond the grave kind of thing you took me out and now i'm coming back for you i, I just love that narrative so much but yeah it's definitely one of the things it adds isn't it it's it's not just about get being salty about a dead character and getting to bring them back they've phrased them all so they they produce narrative you know there's the ups and downs and the downs they, they force you into this this creative narrative so yeah that is that is really cool that it's, it will it will create those little stories for you. Yeah, that's it. And and the word that we like to use a lot on this show is thematic. Yeah. And I feel that it is very much that. It just adds so much story to it. And the fact that yes, it's arbitrary to control. So you can you can drop this in as and when you feel it's necessary. So yeah, literally, if you're playing a campaign, the first game you go into, you go up against some corpse grinders and they wipe out your Escher leader. That leader's coming back now with a vengeance in the next game to take them on. So, you know, it's really cool. I love that. Oh, definitely. Um, just a basic idea of um, how it breaks down mechanically for people who are listening who haven't had a chance to see them or kind of didn't even realise that they were out there. Um, you, you you get the kind of the descriptive text which explains one of the eight kinds of resurrection that you can, you can vie for. Um, you, um, and each one has a benefit a price and an end game so obviously they're going to give you something as a little bit of a boon um, which you're probably going to need if your leader got took out in the first place um, or your champ got took out um, the price which is the cost of that now that can come in many different like flavours and forms it's not so many credits or or do you know what I mean? Give up so much reputation. It might be that you lose kind of um, the activation, the group activation for your leader because everyone's shit scared of them because they, they, they smell a bit funny and they've gone a bit green behind the ears or whatever. Um, and then the end game, so that ties up. So uh, as you were saying about um, um, thematics and 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 uh, Carl was saying about narrative, it it weaves itself in. So even if you've got a law written for your gang, even if the arbitrator's created this really story-driven campaign, it doesn't interfere with that. It it, it, it interlaces and, and, and enriches Absolutely. it without disturbing anyone else's story, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it totally fits. Much. I wonder if it's worth just reading one out as an example, again, for people who've not got hold of this yet. Yeah, go for it, man. Do you want to... I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Revenant then, because cool, yeah. that's my favourite one. So, <clears throat> yeah, ver- verbatim, you know, we don't do this that often, so we can get away with it. Right, Revenge is a power that can deny the dead the peace of the grave. Driven by an immortal hate, the Revenant is a figure who lives again to perform one deed alone, to pull those that wronged them into death with them. Sounds awesome, I love that. <laughs> right, um, so yeah, the benefits. Um, when this resurrection package is chosen, make a note of the enemy fighter responsible for the resurrected fighter's death. If this fighter wasn't killed by an enemy fighter, i.e. they fell to their death, etc., then choose the leader of the enemy gang the resurrected fighter was facing when they died. Whenever the resurrected fighter faces this chosen enemy, they may re-roll failed hit and wound rolls as well as the injury dice when making attacks against them. So that's pretty cool. I mean, you're not getting sort of remuneration in any other way in the gang, I guess. But that in itself is just cool enough. I think that totally is worth it. Uh, The price. The fighter must try to kill their killer. Each time the gang doesn't face the enemy's gang in a battle, whether or not the chosen enemy is part of their opponent's crew, they must roll a d6, and on a 4+, plus they lose a point of strength. 
If they are reduced to zero strength, they die and are removed from the gang roster. So again, that that just thematically works. It's like you're, you're delaying the gratification that they've come back for, and they, they're just getting weaker as they're trying to hold in there, you know, until they can take on the enemy that took them out. Oh no, definitely, uh, and I think, um, and I'm loath to use the word like balance with a game like Necromunda because it's it's such a kind of a game of chance and 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 luck yes. and randomness. The mm-hmm. balance is, is is a very kind of dubious term to use, but it's like this is cool. It's going to be really cool when you face that gang. It's going to be quite annoying at points. You know, you've got your leader back, but all of a sudden they're just on this this um, tunnel vision vendetta, and they you know they're going to want to go for that leader or that fighter who killed. It's them. the Captain Ahab approach to playing. Exactly, yeah, they become your Moby Dick, exactly, no, your White Will, absolutely. Um, I, I personally, I, I think they're all great, I think they all have their uses. Some of them, I mean, I, and I'm going to go with a couple of uh, observations that Jess Lee had here, and I'm just going to give you this example. Debt of Blood, obviously that can be permanent, since you can hire as many Jews as you want. Uh, you'll always be able to call on your allies, so uh, fighters to join in, addition to your own, and gain XP, if, you're, if you've got the Unbreakable Loyalty of the Slave Guild. You, and you're just feeding them a Jew every game, and since you don't have a rating for the fight, it's not altering your rating so that your opponent gets underdog assistance to balance it oh, out. Right, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, again, we know that Jess Lee's very good at breaking the rules. Um, <laughs> and then, obviously, with Demonic Possession... Uh, really awesome uh, for most gangs it's it's going to be really short lived in um, opposition to uh, the debt of blood if you're a corpse grinder so the leader's got terrifying from the mask and then fearsome so you want to shoot the guy you're going to have to pass a cool check and a willpower check uh, you want to charge him it's going to be uh, a will check to declare the charge um, to pass and, and you've got to pass that to make contact, and then you're going to have to do another will check just to hit him. He's going to die eventually, but if you sacrifice an initiate each game, you probably score more than one coup de gras in each game, and you'll be drawing out his decline um, with basically this guy that just can't be hit by um, charge, can't be hit by melee, and can't be hit by shooting. It's just really cool. Now, they're going to have to be pushing really hard in order to get that coup de grace, and they're going to have to be sacrificing an initiate every every game. But that, that's just going to create such a tension for themselves and obviously a tension for the opponent to avoid that coup de grace and try and, and, and having this, 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 this demigod that just can't be shot at, can't be hit. You know, corpse grind is already contentious enough as it is. And then there's, you've got this kind of behemoth barreling across the board and you're just rolling multiple dice rolls it's like right i've got into base contact already you've got into base contact roll another will check and see if you can actually hit the guy it's like fuck and uh, yeah for me it's awesome now i'm not going to pretend that this hasn't split the community because um if you go on reddit if you go on um yak tribe if you look around around the necromunda groups even on our group where simon just did like a basic breakdown Obviously, people are coming in and saying, "No, oh, death is final. Death's done. That's that's it." And it, it can remove. Well, they're the going to get a surprise when the Book of Blades comes out. <laughs> well, ah, see, this is interesting. Now, I was um, talking to Carl about this earlier before we were recording, um, and it's something that made because when we were all speculating about Death Maidens, because obviously we've got the upcoming Book of Blades coming out, and Death Maidens are going to be their big one of their um, new mechanics um, we're assuming uh, they're kind of uber champs like Stimazar for uh, Goliath 
Um, and one of them was, oh, maybe if they get killed in a battle, they get to come back the next game. Well, I think that that doesn't really that doesn't mesh alongside this. Um, I think this kind of this is your resurrection rules. So, um, like a stimmer doesn't just inject themselves with stims in the middle of a battle or, or after a battle. You're a stimmer from creation. You're a stimmer until you die, kind of thing, or or get resurrected according to the, these new rules. Um, so I'm assuming the death maidens will start off as death maidens, and they might get cool mechanics on account of being a death maiden. What was it you were saying on this, Carl? Um, it's along the similar lines, really. That um, that essentially this was this is kind of the you know the the background material, if you like, to show that the the resurrection works within the universe, and that not just in one way, but they've got these these like you know different layers of it there, um, and in the new book of blades they kind of want that foundation to not just be like oh yeah and we've got death maidens and i know this life extension surgery and stuff but also you can bring people back from the dead so this kind of sets up for that and i could personally see it going either way that you can uh you can buy a death maiden when you're setting up your gang or when you're recruiting a new fighter or i can also see them putting it in that you can take a champion and you can embalm them and create them into a death maiden so i'd i'd expect I'd almost hope for, not necessarily expect, I don't know what to expect, but I'd hope that actually both options were there because I think it would be unfair with, you know, how we've seen Stimmers brought in to just have it that it's a death-only uh, mechanic. Um, and I don't think GW would probably want to sell models off the back of only hoping that people have their models die during a campaign. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I think thematically it, it works to have it both ways around, to have you be able to create Death Maidens as well as 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 by death maidens um and i could yeah. even see considering the book of chains has got stuff in for the ogre gangs and and all sorts of additional concepts fantastically deep um that we might even see more resurrection rules that are toned towards um other gangs you know like some kind of a uh, thing where you could put a goliath back in their gestation vat to heal them up um or some kind of other you know means of, of of resurrecting house gang members that's specific to them i don't know it's just a bit of uh, off the top of my head there but yeah um yeah it's certainly something interesting to look forward to that's for sure it'd certainly be a definite leg up for escher if they don't have to go through the arbitrator to get resurrection if they can just yeah. kind of say right i'm rolling on a d6 chart or whatever or whatever it might be and I'll see if I come back, and if I come back with certain new skills um, and abilities, etc. You know, with all of the gang creation, you you know, you can only have certain numbers of, of gang members and things like that. So it's, I, I think it's self-limiting there anyway, isn't it? Because you can't, even though you might, you know, go be able to go to the arbitrator to get your your leader resurrected, and Escher might have that special caveat to that. They're, they're not going to be able to have endless death maidens, um, you know, raucousing through their gang. Because of gang composition. Yes, yeah. they, they need to stick to that anyway, and... Um, you know, there could be other costs um, attributed to to running Death Maidens that we are aware of yet. So yeah, I just want to ask Chris because you, you you said that there there was controversy in the the Necromunda groups about this. What are the negative points that people are putting forward about this? Then is it just that they don't like the idea of it, or what? It, it right. I mean, heavily tied into the law, resurrection isn't something that's easy to do. You've got kind of um, immortals and you've got uh oh, what you call the guys that there's there's another term they have it's really bad that I, I, my 40k law is so loose but i you know i'm not heavily into all the other systems oh, um, i see so eternals th- or no it's not eternals uh 
So essentially what you're saying then is that people are taking law that already exists within the 40k universe that may not necessarily have been in Necromunda before, and they're going, hang on a second, this shouldn't be this easy because of XYZ, and therefore I don't like it. Is that pretty it's, much it? It's like um, you've got, uh, obviously, people like Fabius Bile who've created clones of people or yeah. you know people that are getting resurrected, but it's always really fraught. There's always a cost, a massive cost to it as well. And I don't mean kind of like, oh, you get six games and then you, you're rolling on a chart. Or if you don't yeah. do this, it, it's really hard and really difficult. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, lowly gangers in Necromunda are able to kind of... which Suddenly I get, resurrect, yeah. I get, but I don't play this game within... I'm not thinking about Astartes or, or, or for the yeah. most part, the warp. You know what I mean? I know there's flavours of it with cults and, you know... And, uh, and cult grinders, yeah. It's tainted, you know, so... But I, I can understand it for purists and, and for and for people who just like it that I've lost this guy. That's now my story, my gang's yeah. story. That's because it. Because now there's not the easy way of having a guy... Like, your champion doesn't become a leader. It's not... It's not the same process that it used to be in the original Necromunda, where you'd get a replacement, essentially somebody would step up to leader, whereas now you're, you're, you're fairly handicapped if you lose your leader early on. Well, I, I think my response to that kind of uh, thing of that they don't like it then, for that, those reasons, would be the same as with, with Carl's book that he's putting out. It's down to your arbitrator. If you don't, if the other's an arbitrator, they don't want to use that because people have got an issue with it for whatever reason. You don't have to use it. But on the plus side, at least this is official and it's also like uh, uh, arbitrated, uh, controlled. And uh, but then you've got this marvelous like fan work that Carl's done, and it just gives you the option for additional flavor and the option to be inclusive. And again, as, as Carl's mentioned, like when he's playing with his partner, it gives you the option to tell a story but to make it work for people, to keep the interest going in the game. And that is why, as a bottom line to this, I can't see it being a problem. Both Carl's um, homebrew work and this is an official supplement, both of them together just work perfectly, I think, to create that narrative. I couldn't agree more. Um, I understand where they're coming from. These guys have been with this, some of them, not all of them, some of them have just, you know what I mean, but they've dedicated like decades of their life to this game. And they're, they're really re- resistant to change. And I do understand it. Some of them are ah, just... Ah, get with the times, Grandad. You know, I know that you say that, but... But you say that, but I can't understand it. But my feeling is, it's like kicking off because there's brown sauce on the table in a restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every other fucking sauce that you like, you don't have to eat the brown sauce. Just leave not, the brown not, sauce on the table. Unless you've got like, a severe allergy to said brown sauce. What's your problem, mate? <laughs> yeah, like... yeah that, that's the way I look at it personally. But then I... I I did play the original Necromunda, but I haven't been obsessed with it for 25 years. I haven't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm fairly balls deep in it now. There's no two ways about it. But, yeah. you know, I, I, it doesn't bother me. There are aspects of the game, the newer game, that I'm not particularly... Like, I don't really like the um, the thingy campaign from Dark the Dark Uprising. It yeah, doesn't... Yeah. I feel like it's a self-contained thing. That it it's almost like that. It's a historical event. Yeah, that pre-written yes. story where yeah. it, it doesn't really do it for me as much. It doesn't, and and that's just me personally. It doesn't mean I don't like the game. Yeah. I just don't like that. But then I'm not going on to forums. Well, that's and... fair. That's fair. That you've got your likes, 
the other people that have got the problem have got their likes in it. But for me, it just comes back to that same thing of it's expanding the universe, and I never see that as a bad thing. Yeah, no, totally. More, more is more. Great. Yeah? Give me more. Exactly. As Keep Carl said at more. the beginning, more is more. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't really think of anything else I'd like to bring up on the matter if you guys want to. No, I'm done. That's me. I'm, I'm happy with everything. I'm, it's all good in this segment. No badness here. Right. So, yeah, Carl. Thank you very much for, for joining us, for shooting the shit. Oh, thanks for giving us the opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's all right. No worries at all. Um, I'm glad to have you on the show. And thank you again, as uh, Chris mentioned at the beginning, for all of the, the work that you've been putting out to the community. And all the links that relate to this for the posters and for the book and, and all this kind of stuff, we'll make sure that it gets plastered all over the group. So there's uh, no fear of anyone missing out on that. Yeah, it's going to be sick. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. man. Cheers for coming along and talking to us. And uh, yeah, thanks for being yeah. such a value. Stay safe on the way home and uh, don't get bitten by zombies. Remember to keep that two metre distance. So, um, <laughs> in which case then, what we're going to do then, folks, is we are going to hand you over to Salacious Paul for his recent update. Thank you, boys. Lots of things have been happening in the hard listeners. So many saucy secrets to tell. The small matter of a sector-wide lockdown has not prevented mischief and mayhem behind closed doors or unsanctioned outings in the underhive. For starters, I've heard reports that release of a colony of threadneedle worms caused a white ruckus in the some city harbour district, causing some white carnage just off Mercantile Square. Apparently, some not Edgar Goliath and his mate looks to have opened a can at point blank rage in their own faces, leaving nothing but a couple of gore-slick skeletons holding an empty can and a depleted plasma pistol. Official reports say the spoon lodged in one of the Womble's eye sockets did not contribute to the cause of death. Very visceral, I'm sure you'll agree. Another mysterious couple of deaths near the service tunnels when two unlucky fellas, identified as Woe and Zolan, were found a couple of levels apart, with what appears to be wounds caused by a flashing instrument of unknown origin. The only clue was a loud screeching reported by one of the maintenance workers, who refused to investigate and went off to fetch the enforcers. Mighty mysterious. I'm sure you'll agree. I've been reliably informed of a bit of a scrap over an ancient manufactorum between the Blue Fang of House Fansara and the Rock Queens of House Esha. It looks like on this occasion High Heels beats High Tech as the Fang were forced to flee with their ponytails between their legs, leaving a nice little barbecue for the local wildlife. Hot stuff. I'm sure you'll agree. Whispers of revolt are on the wind as the Human Workers Revolutionary Front takes to the streets amid the lockdown. Possibly a case of the Lady Duff protests too much, methinks, with an organisation that labels itself human. Hmm? Are they linked to the Miners Guild 404? Unclear, but I do hear that the body to arm ratio of these two groups is a little unbalanced, if you know what I mean. Either they've been getting some body modifications 
in order to become some city harbour's premier juggling troop or something a little more sinister is going on, eh? An unlikely beauty contest is brewing in the mighty house of Goliath as two rival gangs have been having a bit of friction over who's the most handsome. Unusual. Handsome Pete or Handsome Mike? It all seems to have been declared a little bit of a stalemate with neither gang being able to decide which beefcake was the dreamiest but tensions look to rise as a new contender, gorgeous George, has entered the fray. Knowing how's Goliath's usual method of settling the disputes, being gratuitous violence, I guess we'll soon find out whether there's any truth in the saying, beauty is only skin deep, eh? Very interesting. I'm sure you'll agree. Okay, boys, back to the studio. Okay, thank you for that poem, more delicious gossip from our um, resident Delac. And now it's time for our letters segment. It's your letters, it's your letters. It's your letters, it's your letters. Okay, do you want to take this first one, Steve? Uh, yeah, sure. By Executive Order 391 Epsilon 9, the broadcaster, Some City Radio, is hereby compelled to transmit the following message once every light cycle until instructed otherwise. Failure to comply is considered sedition and will be dealt with according to mandate. Message begins. All citizens planning excursions into the Novum section exposed by the recent quakes in the Hive Trasia be warned that Necromundan law applies. You are hereby warned that the following behaviours will be met with robust punitive measures. Extortion, criminal enterprise, trade in prohibited goods, allowing safe passage or harbouring of wanted felons, public fapping, collection, retention, propagation, dissemination, distribution or consumption of xeno materials, consuming the captain's fried sugary carb loop, unacceptable levels of civilian casualties, indiscriminate murder robots, heretical practices including the sacrifice or consumption of unwilling participants and aggressive loitering shall be met with robust punitive enforcement action. Let's have a good clean scrap and no need for bodies in the sump. It is also my duty to thank those citizens who have paid their increased taxes to fund the new precinct house and the enforcers and subjugators who keep you safe from these criminal gangs. My new officers will be enforcing the recent tax rises as mandated and will be visiting you soon. We thank you for your continued contributions to keep Hive Trazier safe. Yours in service, Captain Corellium Holt, NDE4. P.S. Thank you, Hive Scum Steve, for your last disclosure. It led to a rather profitable operation. Please find enclosed a seized lasgun as a reward for your cooperation. I know the troops would love to hear it used in your next shooting the shit section. Keep up the good work, citizen. Completely unrelated to your ongoing cooperation, your license to broadcast has been duly extended by five light cycles. See you next Tuesday. Well, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> it's 
it's a lot of rules. It's nice to uh, have our license extended. Um, have we ever? To be had a fair, license? that does seem like a, uh, a shortened version of the rules that generally apply to most places. So it seems again a bit lax, if you ask me. <laughs> I, I thought public fapping was a bit extreme. You know what I mean? What yeah. you want to do if you can't have a good old public fap? <laughs> yeah. uh, I love the way he just sort of like openly explains everything there about how um, you know we're we're having to deal with enforcer. What's the word? Uh, putting the uh, the finger down on us. Yeah, it's more of a protection racket than kind of yeah. <laughs> Not that we're saying it's a protection racket, but <laughs> if the uh, ceramite reinforced boot fits, absolutely. I didn't like how they insinuated that you were being a bit of a grass, though. I mean, that's that's not. No, good. that's not doing me any favors whatsoever, and no. it's entirely untrue. Yep, because uh, uh, snitches um, get stitches. So. We might just uh, have to increase security around the shack just in case. Uh, don't want any, any people with their fingers burned coming around. Honestly, I'm not sure how much it. more we can improve it after uh, we had Klaus turn up last time. So, um, you know, extra, extra locks on the doors, reinforcement. I mean, the refit after the zombies got in here as well, that, that certainly uh, helped to improve the security of places. Oh, Absolutely. Um, especially the murder halls. Um, I'm really, I'm really <laughs> loving using them on the the kids as they run underneath the shack. Um, <laughs> I'll read the next one out for you. It's a question for you, so uh, it'd be a bit weird asking yourself. Is it? Oh, okay. uh, this one's from Will Colwell. Uh, Hi guys, thanks for creating the excellent podcasts and giving me something good to listen to while I'm wanting my sump crock. Ah, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question's for Steve. I'd like to know how he gets the blood effect on his corpse grinder colours. Which paint is used? Is it sponged on, flicked on, or painted on? Also, could you tell me more about the lore of your gang and the background of some of your characters? Thanks very oh, wow. much. Right. Um, okay, in which case, then I, I assume that the, the lore and the gang stuff's the corpse grinders. So, yeah, I can do that. Um, first of all, blood effects. Uh, it is Blood for the Blood God. Uh, so the official Citadel paint that you can get hold of, the technical one. Um, and it is flicked. Um, now, admittedly, I have a lot more experience of flicking blood from a paintbrush than a lot of people because of the zombie stuff that I did for seven years, although it's on a much bigger scale. So, yeah, just a um, a brush that's got bristles that aren't too long. So I'd say probably about three to four millimetres long. Um, and if you want to use a crappy brush, that's absolutely fine, as long as the bristles are fairly stiff. Uh, and then just you know make sure you've got a good amount on the end of the brush and test it first before you go anywhere near the models because it's a random effect and once it's on there it's gonna be really difficult to get rid of it so if you've spent ages painting up your models you want to make sure this is going exactly where you want it to go so test it beforehand uh, and also put a bit of a backdrop behind it so get a, a big sheet of paper that goes under where you're holding your model and then up way up behind it as well, like really high above it as well, behind, um, because what you'll find is that the spray can go all over the place. So have a couple of tests with flicking the, the brush and sort of get your finger on top of the bristles and pull your finger back as you push the brush forward a little bit and then look to see where the spray is going from the blood um, and then try and replicate that a good few times before you go anywhere near the model so you can sort of see how the splatter's going, um, how much paint is coming off the bristles onto your canvas as it were um and then once you feel that you've you've got a control over it that's the time to move it onto the models and if you've spent ages making them look really nice with all the other paints don't go mental with it um because 
again, you will find a point where you go, okay, that's enough. But you always had that kind of artistic saboteur inside. You go, no, nah, you need more. You need more. You're not finished yet. And you can't go back after a certain point. So just call it. Even have a break. That's what I've done occasionally with a couple of the corpse grinder models. It's like, do a little bit of blood. Go away. Have a cup of tea. Do something else. Come back to it. Look at it and go, is that enough? Does it need a little bit more now? Does that look okay? And, and that gives you a sort of decision as to what you're doing with the blood. So that's how I do it. Um, with regards to the lore of my gang and the background of some of the characters, um, well, some of you may have realised that all the names uh, I kind of nicked from the Legacy of Kane computer game series. Um, Raziel! Yeah, Tony, Tony J, that was it. Tony J, his voice is awesome in that role. Oh, is, is that course, the voice artist? Sorry, I wasn't. Yeah, the voice, the voice artist, yeah. Tony J, and Simon Templeton does Kane. Uh, Tony J is the voice of the the big sort of Cthulhu-like creature who's like brings Raziel back from the dead, yeah. that kind of thing. But no, the voice work in those games is absolutely spot on. And so yeah, I'd love that series. But with regards to the actual lore of my gang, it's fairly standard, really. Just a part of the the hive where you've got workers slowly over time being tainted by chaos obviously starting with with kane and then as he's slowly descended more into stealing the the food off the thing and the corn having more of an influence over things he's then got more people into the the, the mixing pot sort of dragging them in slowly bit by bit and then of course you end up with this whole gang after a while so yeah fairly standard corpse grinder stuff really i didn't sort of go overboard with backstory for those guys apart from um one little thing which i can share with the group which was um, a bit of a story that i wrote up for kane <laughs> after a couple of bouts in the last campaign that i played in so i'll find that somewhere and i'll post that up in the group but um yeah thank you very much for the question there will yep nice one will and i uh, hope we found uh, that advice useful okay letter three uh Right, let me just get an idea of who this guy is. Okay, so, uh, purely hosts of the sacred Vox. Your program has been of great comfort to me as I've wandered the ash wastes, searching desperately for meaning. I was weak, but your dulcet tones helped me to become strong. Now I return to the city that has cast me out. I will snap the neck of the sniveling, craving whelp who supplanted me. And once more lead House Goliath to the true position as rulers of the on the hive. Look to my coming, a chief change on the fifth day. Then look to the swamp. I shall raise a new. <laughs> Liberated from the chains that bound me. May your kins be strong and your arms be stronger. Barrett, tired in exile of House Goliath. Um, and then he wants to put a little out of character bit here. Uh, Hi, I'm just getting into Necromunda and I'm loving the show. I'm going to start off with Goliath, but ooh, those shiny new ashes, though. Keep up the yeah. great work, and that's from Cameron. Uh, um, awesome. It, uh, for somebody who's just getting into Necromunda, it seems like you've really got into the spirit of it. So, um, yeah, I think you're in the right place, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> it, it lives in some city. So, uh, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think we're all looking forward to getting those Escher. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Goliath's really cool. So, Sweet. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, okay, so another one. Um... This, this sounds like the start to a Christmas carol, this one. <laughs> Greetings, gracious gentlemen. We wish to express our surprise at the greeting we got from Salacious Ball. 
We were very pleased to see that our Dilak brethren in this sector is well versed in the arts of information. Please let Paul know we will send him a replacement spy skull soon. The first one that we came across was unfortunately broken. Mm, likely story. Mm, but let us not be ungracious guests. Information we will give as a gift. Beware of the cult of the Emperor's gift. Humans, they are not. Also, trust not your local corpse grinder gang or the enforcers of Sector ZACPT 7140. Something is ever so slightly off there. And I'm sensing our general mistrust. Yes, yes. I don't Coffee think paranoia. these guys trust anyone. It must be uh, uh, pretty lonely. <laughs> Pretty lonely out there. Something is ever so slightly out there. And finally, to the Rust Giants, we thank you for the little part we had. It was fun. But maybe next time you will accept our drinks. You guys seem to have had a bad reaction to it. We will be listening to your next show with interest. Oh, before I forget, we updated your security for you. It was very out of date, and we left you some spore and sumpery muffins. Avada Kedavra, the Death Eaters. <coughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, very paranoid little bunch there, but thanks very much. Uh, I'm sure Paul um, will be very appreciative of the fact that you've replaced one of his spy skulls, because I know he's very, very fond of those. Um, and we won't ask any more questions as to how it, uh, how it ended up broken. Um, yeah. yeah no, well, I get uh, the feeling that Paul is going to be pulling those things apart and checking for additional... <laughs> equipment oh yeah the, there's definitely going to be scans for spyware there's no doers about I think this it. is the problem is the lack in it is like who can you trust to go and fix your gun or you know sort your servo skull out if you're you know in a big delight community because it's like surely everybody else is out to get your information and get one up on you yeah they're like the huawei of necromunda <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have a Huawei phone, by the way. I have nothing against Huawei, really. But, uh, yeah, no, just the way the Americans seem to be uh, paranoid over them just makes me laugh. Um, no, that was great. I really enjoyed that. Um, do we have any... I don't think we have any other letters, do we? I think that's it for, for this episode. That's it for this time round, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thanks very much, guys, and keep them coming because we really love receiving them and reading them out. Um, keep sharing to the group. And, uh, yeah, thanks again. Yeah, and if you do have any letters, uh, do send them into sumpcityradio at gmail.com. Uh, we've also just set up a Skype account for sumpcityradio at gmail.com, and we're going to be putting the voicemail on, on that. So if you do want to leave an audio message for us, we'll see what we can do. If we can get hold of the files, then we will uh, possibly see if we can get those into the show, depending on the content. Heavy breathers need not apply, nor people that are obsessed with knob gags. 
So uh, <laughs> we have we have a limited amount of uh, percentage of the show that we can allocate to knob gags. So we can't go over that percentage, I'm afraid. Right. <laughs> that's and, the corporate side of the show, right? The there. messages are being thoroughly checked by Klaus. He insisted for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which uh, will take us on to the announcing of the winner of our competition. And so just a little recap here to tell you what that was. Uh, last month, we decided that seeing as we were in lockdown and people had limited access to the outside world, that we would ask people to build terrain out of the bits and bobs that they found around their house. So that is fairly broad, admittedly, because yes, it does allude to things like the uh, recycling box that you'd have, of all the packaging, the things that you've had sent to you because you can't go outside, um, food packaging, uh, stuff off of um, models that you've already got laying around. Um, stuff that you've been waiting on for a while that's been gathering dust in a box or just you know, raiding your kids' uh, toy chests and seeing what you can massacre in there. So, yeah, um, it was just very broad of build whatever you like. Uh, we didn't sort of limit it as to a particular thing. And I've got to say straight off the bat that we had a number of responses to this and it's just like we, we've kind of really come to expect from the community that we've got. It was top-notch work all round. This was probably the most difficult competition to judge that we have done so far on the show because the quality level of all of the submittants was that high. There were some that were small scale but detailed, like one particular piece of terrain that was focused on, and then there were people that did whole tiles worth of terrain. Uh, and this is all within the same uh, time frame. Obviously, we respect that people work at different speeds i mean i'm probably the slowest painter ever so we you know understand that so everything was judged um at the same time whether it was completely finished or whether it was partly there so it was a you know a big sliding scale that we we're working on but everything that was put in you can tell the love that was put into those projects um so as i said really difficult to judge a couple of ones that i just want to point out for imaginative purposes um, I can't remember the guys. Oh, hang on, let me have a look. It was Matt Brazier with the um, the car parts. That was an inspired little move right there. Yeah, I'll just um, I'll just take me Land Rover apart and build something. It's all right. I'm not going anywhere. I'm in lockdown. Let's just pull some bits out of the car that look cool. But yeah, I just thought that was a really inspired little piece. Um, that was really cool. Uh, and then there was also um, Samuel James Nori Proctor. Who, with his infinity mirror uh mine shaft that was just brilliant i thought that was a really cool idea uh, in fact you've actually got me thinking about how i could uh, potentially do that at some point in scenery in, in the future so we need more things like that that's just really cool um sadly you guys haven't won <laughs> sorry to pick you up and then let you down like that but you know shout outs to them for that work um and then there were just so many cool things i i, so I wanted to shout out for everyone who actually bothered to enter into it but in the end it came down to two different people and this was uh, just to sort of let you in a little bit on the, the process here listeners um we had to get really harsh with this i wouldn't want people to hear the conversations that me and chris had about these because we had to be so picky over it and for anyone who watches any show where there's like a panel of judges and as the season gets on, they get harder and harder with the critiques. This was like last episode of the season level of critique. You know, 
we had to sort of be that picky about it. Yeah, it was genuinely tough because, like you said, the 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 time, the passion, the effort, the sheer effort. I mean, that just just the man hours that's obviously gone into all of these um, entries combined is phenomenal and beyond what we could have expected and and. Uh, beyond what we asked for really i mean yeah like you've got a guy stripping car parts you've got people um doing awesome water effects you've, you do you know what i mean it was it was genuinely genuinely staggering the the effort that was that was put into the competition and we thank each and every one of you and oh yeah uh, although you can't all be winners we've really enjoyed going over them but yeah once we got it down to this final two it became quite um quite brutal and we were yeah we had to kind of then go into the microscopic detail of things and uh that's kind of the only way we could arrive at one winner i mean we we just we would love to be able to say you're, you're all getting something but you know the the funds just aren't there for that uh and we just hope that you, you all realize how much we appreciate every one of your entries basically and this isn't to take away from from anything. And at the end of the day, if if you haven't won, then you've you've still got an awesome bit of terrain that you can. You're use. winners at life. You've not won the competition, and we're not sending you shit. But you're winners at life. Except, <laughs> yeah, you're just not winners at the competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're in that spirit. Uh, I suppose we might as well mention who the last two came down to, just to add extra tension here for the people who have skipped straight to this bit of the show, so they can find out whether they yeah. won or not. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it came down to Wookie Wickenstein and Lewis Bin. Woo-hoo. These were pieces. It was it? It was the bar that Lewis did, and then with Wookies, I think it was um a slightly broader thing, wasn't it? Because it could be used as a number of different things. It'd, It'd be used a as a processing plant area yeah, or a processing yeah. barn. So yeah, it was it was really cool both of these ones, but yeah, so difficult to pick out between them. But that said. We did come to a conclusion eventually, <laughs> after much arguing, bloodshed, bruises, the lot, and insert music here. Our winner was Lewis Bin. Yeah, Lewis. Well done. Uh, so we will be in contact with you very shortly to uh, get your details and find out what box gang it is that you want us to get hold of for you and to send you. I'm so glad that we didn't do this competition with cards. Because otherwise we could have been in <laughs> big problems with our financial difficulties. <laughs> um, you'd have gone, yeah, I want the underdog cards. But no, uh, Lewis, uh, fantastic work on it. Loved it. So many details that went into that. And it was it was so difficult to pick one winner for this. So, you know, top work there, mate. Well done. Absolutely. No, um, the level of detail, it, it just, it, it's it's pretty staggering, to be fair. Um, the the different paint applications, the, the colour palette. It it just 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 pipped the post basically, um, because you obviously the the whole um plethora of entries were up to an incredible standard, but um yeah yours has just um come out on top and uh, for that you'll be uh, getting a gang of your choice so if you just let us know we'll get you little plastic dudes or dudettes off to you, um uh, yeah well yeah. done man right um. I can't remember actually. Have we actually done a competition every time for something? Because this is what our sixth. Oh, wow, half a year. Half a year has gone by on this. Wow. So hey, uh, six months. Congratulations months. to us. <laughs> Three of the show. 
But yeah, six month anniversary of the show. Um, have we done a competition every time, Chris? I I think there's only the first episode we didn't have. So what did, what did we do right? the second time round? We've we've done. Oh no, possibly. Uh, we did the Goliath cards, um, didn't there's we? Been, at one point. Yep. There's been t-shirts. t-shirts. That's, that's another one as well. I think that was a dual um, one, though, Promethean... because we did t-shirts at the same time as uh, Kevin from Promethean Forge's um, terrain that he gave out. Oh, that's, that's so right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cards, so we've done t-shirt, uh, terrain from Promethean Forge. That's the two episodes worth, I think. Oh, maybe, maybe we've not done it, everyone. But we are going to take a break oh, uh, on this episode because... I feel that if we just keep doing it at this point, there's there's nothing special that we can give people. So I think what we'd rather do is just hold back a little bit on the funds that we, we keep aside for doing this kind of thing and maybe get something extra special next time around, if you see what I mean, that we do one. Um, or you never know, we might find that yeah. uh, we, we end up speaking to someone in the meantime and get something cool there as well. Oh, yeah, we did the competitions for the... Yeah, um, I've, I've... Uh, going to Cac Tribe, which then didn't happen because of the apocalypse. Yeah, so they've, they've still got um, that ticket for when they do eventually do Yak Tribe at the end of the year. September, I think it is, that they've uh, got a date pinned in for now, isn't it? So it's not it's not a total loss. It's a shame that it was postponed, but understandable. Um, I, uh, We are in talks with a couple of people who uh, are suggesting that they might have some really cool prizes for us. So I think maybe if we possibly combine those and uh, add something a little extra here and just do like a bigger competition in a couple of months time um and and we'll come up with something really cool and crazy also i'm not averse to taking suggestions for competitions or the the, the types of competitions not the prizes just to, to clarify on that it's like yeah i think you should get us a whole like like dark uprising box set or something <laughs> it's like uh thank you for your suggestion but no um so yeah whatever guys uh if you've got ideas for competitions that's always handy to have on you know to you know pull out the bag as it were so by all means make suggestions on the group or message us and let us know uh but yeah that's it for the competition section i believe chris yeah right in which case then so that'll lead us on to thank yous and acknowledgements so uh we'll just go through these one by one for this episode uh first off then thank you very much to carl johnston uh, who joined us to talk about the resurrection rules for that games workshop put out in the latest edition of white dwarf and uh, also about his unofficial publication for necromunda the book of life uh so thank you very much for that carl uh, as always, thanks goes out to Jessely Simpkins uh, for joining us on the War Room and talking to us about the uh, might of the Slave Ogryn gangs from the House of Chains book. Also, there's James England, who I need to do a shout out for, who is one of our Patreon supporters. And uh, as such, he ended up doing a very short cameo in the Becky Booms section today. Thank you, James, for letting us torture you mercilessly. Any thanks you want to do, Chris? Yeah, um, obviously everybody who submitted work for the terrain building competition, um, greatly appreciated. Everyone who sent us a letter, um, everyone who's been staying inside and washing your hands. Uh, obviously your good lady Adele um, for her stellar voice work. Uh, just the community as a whole, um, for all the excellent posts, um, the questions, the you know, I mean, the things that they found, the things that they've created, and just keeping us all fueled with the incredible work during this really crappy time that everybody's having to live through so thanks very yeah, much brilliant and um, yeah I, I second that entirely uh the community as always absolutely fantastic but especially during this this time where we've all been self-isolating the, the level of stuff that we're getting goes into there is 
is so jam-packed and that's why with hot in the hive there's only like so much that we can do in one episode but yeah thank you guys thank you so much uh, also then one last shout out to everyone who's joined our patreon even though the world is ending <laughs> so to speak um we've got this like really pathetic apocalypse going on but yeah everyone who's joined the patreon especially at the moment thank you so much for that we really appreciate it speaking of which um we need to do our patreon shout outs so chris we'll, we'll take this one at a time shall we uh so first off then thank you very much matty purr uh thank you chris cox uh thank you very much phil campbell uh thank you sabarius okay and leonard dime gets another shout out because he voluntarily doubled his pledge so uh, which is something you can do by the way people you can go onto patreon and put in your own custom amount that you want to send us um, if you want to, if you if you don't think if you think that we're we're underselling ourselves and you want to give us more like Leonard clearly does, then uh, by all means, Leonard Dime, thank you very <laughs> Leonard much. Leonard Dime, I, that thank you. In my head so much from the last episode, bloody Klaus, you just can't get him out of your head. <laughs> no, so very very generous. Thank you very much. Uh, we've also got Richard Whitlock, um, and then we've got Rob, uh, who prefers to be known as just Rob, so that's what he'll be known as. <laughs> Uh, then we've got Jim Pyre. Um, I'm guessing he's from House Cordor. It would be very fitting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, thank you, Lester Mudd. Uh, Matt Possel, thank you very much for your patronage. And I've got this name. Uh, apologies, Nicholas. Uh, thank you, Nicholas Quenga. I'm hoping I said that and right. That's how I think it's pronounced as well. And then uh, the latest one is Jackie Wheels. So thank you very much, all of you, for adding on to our Patreons. And uh, again very much appreciate it um if we have missed anyone off that list it's probably only due to the fact of uh we've recorded this at a particular time and once it's done it's done so uh you'll be mentioned in the next episode with any luck we are i was making just going to point that out so yeah nice one good catch yeah. and uh so yeah thank you everyone who has joined the patreon so much it really does mean a lot to us uh whether you're supporting the show doing that or putting comments onto the group, or buying the t-shirts, which are still available. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, so yeah, Chris, I think that brings us to the end of the... Oh, right, okay. Um, let's you better get that. This. It might be a caller. I mean, it could be the uh, the, the Skype, so let's pick up on this. Uh, hello, caller. You're through to Sump City Radio. Uh, what's your message? Hi, Steve. I got a small favour to ask. Blitz? Well, who else? Well, sorry, I was just making sure that definitely, yeah, you didn't say who it was and we've not got the technology. We've not got the little uh, the, the caller ID thing on this end. You know, we're running on low technology here. Oi, it's me, I'm Creek. Creek, I'm on the phone. Yeah, I know, that's why I'm, I'm shouting. Creek says hello. Yeah, yeah, I can hear him in the background there. Yeah, everybody um, so, can hear him, believe me. It's been, it's... How are you keeping in, in the, uh, the isolation? You're doing all right? Oh, yeah, real good. Real good. Creek, put that down! Oh, Listen. I, I'm not doing anything. Oh, my God. I finished building the shelf. Just, just leave it alone. I, I told you I'd, I'd sort it. Sorry about the figurines. <laughs> Don't mention the figurines. So, yeah. So, so um, you said... Uh, so, yeah, Blitz, what was it you said that you was calling about? Because we've we got to end this show, mate. I'm sorry. It's, it's been a little rough here. Uh, yeah, um... Me and Creek, we we got to go and take care of some business. And I was wondering if I could ask you and Chris uh, a little favour. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, so like, we might not want to be discussing this on air. So um, in which case then, listeners, thank you very much 
for uh, tuning into another episode of Sump City Radio. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks one. Cheers, guys. Bye. You've been listening to Sump City Radio. Join us next time for more hijinks in the hive and all things Necromunda. Remember to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. If you want to get more involved, join our growing Facebook community page. Just remember to answer all the damn questions. Do you want your letter read out on the show? Email us at sumpcityradio at gmail.com. And if your raids have been successful and you've plenty of creds to spare, why not toss a cred to your DJ over at our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash sumpcityradio. Every little bit helps support the show. And thank you for listening. This is the one, the only, Sump City Radio is a registered associate of the Hertzian Guild of Hive Primus and adheres to all communication laws decreed by Lord Halmar.